All right, Justin. Sing me a song that was released recently, or when you first heard it, was released recently, but feels like a song that it maybe should have come out four years before that. <laughs> um, wow. Damn. I got, <laughs> I got nothing for you, man. Damn. I can't even think of a recent song that I'm like, man, that would have fit better back in this era or something. I can't even think of, man, I, I, I got nothing for that one. All right, Heather, what about you? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that uh, it's that Machine Gun Kelly song, the, I swear that I, I never fall in love, then you showed up and I can't get enough. It's very um, almost punk rock, and I feel like that genre was like a lot more popular a couple of years ago. And um, it just kind of reminds me of that era of music a little bit more. So I feel like, I mean, I like the song, but I feel like it fits better maybe like 2010 or something around there. 2010. All right. Well, the problem with that is I said just a few years before, which we roughly four. And you're saying a song that would have roughly been 10 years real nitpicky that's not real nitpicky that's kind of like not the same thing because then it's kind of like you could say like bruno mars locked uh locked out of heaven which sounds kind of like a police song if you're like well that should have belonged in the 80s that wouldn't yeah that's true i'm not saying that you don't get points yet i'm just saying i'm leaning towards no because i of the criteria that was set Now, with that caveat in place, Heather gets a point because I actually had nothing either. I was at the same spot as Justin. So there was no song (laughs) in my head. So the fact that you came out with something that was relatively semi kind of almost close, I'll give you a point, Heather. Begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. I tried so hard to just fit all these criteria if you read us. I'll take it though. I'll take it. It's mainly because I had nothing either. Just nothing at all. So Yeah, you did amazing, Heather, because shoot, I was I was stuck. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of. But it's a it's a very good, catchy song, but it just it I think I like it because I remember liking that genre of music. A while back and being like this reminds me of that music i mean i'll give you that it is a song i don't know about all those other adjectives you threw in there but it's well, you're a not song really a machine gun kelly fan though right i'm not but i'm just saying i'll give you that it's a song we can agree on that we are on the same level of it's a song all right then hey you got a point just be grateful I, hey i am I said I will take that. All right. All right. Don't get all sassy now. I'll revoke the point. Oh, I know. I learned that lesson last time. I am the he who remains of this podcast. Nice. I don't like that I made that reference, though. I feel bad for myself. You know what? I'm going to punish myself. That's minus the point for Sterling. 
So whoever keeps track of our points, subtract one for me for making that reference. Wow. I hope that's still Kurt. Kurt, we're going to need a new list from you soon. Because like I said, I'm just, I'm not happy with myself that I made that reference. So. (laughs) On that note, let's cue our theme song. Nobody knows anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Come on. Cinema Slayers. 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 Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, or today, or whenever the fuck you're listening to this, we will be talking about some recent MCU releases. We will be talking about the movie Black Widow, and we will also be talking about the Disney Plus series, Loki. We will talk about what we liked and like, and everything in between with those. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then spoilers, or into a more spoiler-centric section, with them separated from each other, so we will go Black Widow first, then we will go Loki. I will have time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if necessary. And starting us off with a spoiler-free, or with their spoiler-free thoughts on the movie Black Widow. Uh, Justin, go. Yeah, I was waiting for this one, man. It's got my girl Scar Joe, my celebrity crush, Scar Joe. Yo, 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 we want some Scar Joe, or whatever, however her chant goes. I don't know if she has a chant or not. I I was going to say, does she have a chant? Yeah, Yeah, does she have a chant? She probably does. People love yeah, her, so she probably does. Uh, if she has a chance, well, she maybe she has used a chance, to have a chance. But then she was like, "I should be able to act however I want. If I want to be a tree, I can be a tree." So she might have lost her chant privileges when she said all that shit. Oh man, come on! Everybody makes a mistake. Come on, <laughs> come on, dude! This isn't a fucking Hannah Montana song, okay? Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. <laughs> Everybody has a slip up, man. She just had a bad day. Come on, she can't have one bad day. She's not bad, man. She's Black Widow. Well, okay, anyway. kind of right after she did like multiple <laughs> movies of I'm an Asian person. It's okay. She can't well, follow that up with saying job. I can be a tree if I want. Come on. He came in right out the gate it? with that one. Why'd you do it, ScarJo? Why'd you do it? I still <laughs> love you though. I still love her though. I love her despite her some of her obvious flaws. But um but anyway, for this movie, anyway. Um no nah, man, uh, overall I I liked this, man. Uh I think this is a solid B Marvel movie. It's not an A. It's not one of the best ones, and that's unfortunate because I was hoping that it would be. Um but it it is good. Um, how good? I mean, I think that, you know, you're probably looking at anywhere from probably the mid, maybe like the mid headed to like the lower, the mid. No, I I don't think it's lower tier. It's probably like mid tier Marvel, to be honest with you, like out of those 20 something movies, this one probably falls right in the middle of that, or at least that's where I have it right now. Who knows? Maybe after a couple of rewatches. I might feel differently, but that's kind of where I landed with this. It's like right there in the middle. Um, in a lot of ways, this is just a, 
I feel like this is just a not as good Winter Soldier. That, that that's that that is almost what this is like, and I'll get into oh, man. why why I feel that way um, in the spoilers because I can point to some specific things, but d- this reminded me a lot of Winter Soldier, like the story structure, kind of the way characters are positioned, uh, certain things that happen kind of how it went about the treatment of its villains. Like a lot of this is winter soldier to me, but it just, I don't think was done as effectively as that. It's not as good as that, but winter soldier is still very good. So, I mean, it's almost kind of like, you know, even if I get a not as good version of winter soldier, I'm probably still getting a good movie. That's what this is. You know, that <laughs> that's pretty much the best that I can say about it. Uh, I, but overall, um, I, I do think that this is a solid Marvel entry. I liked uh, Black Widow returning and us getting to dive a little bit into what her origin is, um, see kind of where she comes from and kind of the uh, incidents that, uh, th- that led her on this path to becoming this assassin and everything like that. So it was cool to see. Uh, this film also has some good side characters like the quote unquote family of Black Widow. And I mean, you've seen them in the previews. You've seen Florence Pugh. You've seen David Harbour. So you know that they play people that know Black Widow. Well, I really enjoyed a lot of those characters in this. I think they're entertaining. I think they do well, um, side by side, uh, Black Widow. So I think that 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 might be one of the strongest things that the movie did. It's character development with its good with its uh good guy characters. We'll put it that way. Was spot on. Not so much with the bad people. Uh not so much with the bad guys, which is I think more of a weakness of this film. But uh but, but overall I enjoyed this. I thought it had good action scenes. The the opening is fantastic. I really loved the opening of this. Um, and I think that it ends um, solid enough to where you kind of understand where this fits and where they're going with the story and things like that. Marvel just has a way of doing that. So in the end, I just walked away um, satisfied. I was satisfied. I wasn't overjoyed. I wasn't like, oh man, this is like one of the best movies or anything like that. But overall, I was satisfied with this and it felt good to just sit in a movie theater. And when that Marvel logo came up and that theme started, that when when that whole Marvel theme came up and I was sitting in the theater, I just like took a deep breath. You know, it had been so long since I, I felt like we've gotten to do that. So like, it was just really nice to be, in the theater with people watching a Marvel movie because it just felt like too long and too too much time had passed. Uh, but with all that being said, as much as I did enjoy this, there definitely are some problems. The the movie definitely does have some weaknesses, and I do think kind of what started alluded to in the whole musical choice. This is a victim of the timing of which it came out. I think maybe. If this, if this had come out when it was supposed to come out, 
it might have been a little more hype. It might have been a little more fun. It might have been a little more engaging. But I think that especially with us now getting these Marvel television shows and everything like that, this just now kind of feels a lot like I was sitting there watching this. And even though I enjoyed this, it did kind of feel like it's in a weird place. Like it, it it's. It doesn't quite belong with those other Marvel movies, even though that's what the time period is. That's where it is. Like, it, it almost feels like it doesn't belong there. And then we've got this quality of Marvel show on, on, on Disney Plus. And it, and it's like, I don't know. It feels like you're, 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 you're almost just kind of sitting there holding this and you don't know what to do with it. It's kind of like that thing in your hand and you're like, where do I put this? What do I do with this? And it takes you a while to figure out where to sit it. Like, you're like, do I put it, uh, like somebody hands you something and you're like, what do I do with this? And you're just holding on to, that's what this kind of feels like. Where do I put this? (laughs) That's kind of the weird place that I um, arrived to with this. I'm just kind of holding it in my hand, wondering where it belongs. What shelf do I put it on? Where does it sit? So it's in this weird place to me. But uh, but but overall, I do think that the sum of its parts is more enjoyable than the things that I didn't enjoy about it. So all in all, it was solid. It, it's a good Marvel film, but not a great one. And that's unfortunate because I was hoping that this would be uh, a home run for Marvel. And I don't believe it is that. It's like a it's like a, a line drive, like a like a hit and you got you got a couple of guys on base but nobody scored i think that's kind of where this is what about you heather i agree with Justin in that it is like a solid b movie um yeah i mean as far as how it ranks for me i would put it above doctor strange but below captain marvel for me um okay or yeah I feel that. Yeah, like, I, I kind of went back and forth on it because I really liked Captain Marvel. And at first, I was like, I think Black Widow might be a little bit better than Captain Marvel. So some days it's right above, some days it's, like, right below, you know? But it's right there in that range for me of my choice of how well I liked it compared to the other movies, I guess. So, um, yeah, I, I do think it was a good movie, and I think it was a good kind of, send off if you will of the black widow character and all of that um there were of course some issues with the movie i mean i just think that um for a movie that is sort of supposed to be about this main character i do think that all of the supporting characters um really stood out and kind of shined just as brightly to where you didn't feel like it was only her movie. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I mean, for me, it's a good thing because I think the side characters or the supporting roles were really great. Um, but that could also be problematic because, you know, this is black widow's movie. So for me, I kind of, I'm conflicted with, if I feel like these characters should have been standing out as much as black widow. Maybe so. I mean, maybe because if we see them in future movies or anything like that, you know, it, it makes sense. But, um, but I did enjoy these, these supporting roles. So it wasn't a problem. It's just a matter of, is that what they were wanting to do? Or is that just kind of 
these characters and the people playing them were so good that it just worked that way. Like David Harbour is kind of always that character that you can just sort of count on for him to sort of elevate whatever he's doing with just him being him (laughs) in the role a little bit. Um, And then I think that Florence Pugh was phenomenal. I mean, she's a fantastic actress and I honestly, for me, hands down, I think that she was for me the, uh, the sort of standout here in this movie, but, um, not to say that she really did. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson, of course, was great. I just think that Florence Pugh was on the exact same level as her throughout this movie. So, um, but it was good. I mean, good action. You know, the storyline is kind of like, okay, you know, it's fine. Um, again, yeah. I mean, I guess considering how long ago it was supposed to come out, um, <laughs> I think that it still did a good job, at least for me, keeping me cap, keeping me captivated enough to still want to know what was going to happen in this movie. So I would say for that sake, yeah, it, it's a fairly good movie. Um, it's got good action, you know, just really good chemistry and dynamics between the characters. Um, also, I really, I'm going to be honest, I really loved that uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit cover that they did at the beginning of this movie. I think that was a oh, really, was so tight. really cool way to open it up. I thought it was a great version of the song. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a very, it's a very good um yeah, solid right in the middle Marvel movie, which in a lot of cases that is already a level above most other types of action movies, probably. <laughs> so yeah, I think it was good. I think it was um you know, it was it wasn't yeah, again, I'm not gonna sit here and say it's like the best movie or anything like that, but I do think that it was um a good send-off. I think it was a good introduction to other people and kind of gives a little bit more background and explains a little bit more, maybe not as much as I'd like about Black Widow. So yeah, overall good movie. I did enjoy it and I was entertained. This movie. Now hear me out. This movie is Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Curious to know what this means. It is a paradox. This movie is both equal parts too much like Winter Soldier and then not enough like Winter Soldier. I don't know how it did that. But it did. (laughs) And it's weird. I'm not as high as you guys are on this movie. I'm not necessarily low on this movie. I'm not really high on it. I think this movie should have been more like Winter Soldier to the degree it should have been more of a spy movie. That's what Black Widow is. It should have been more spy-like. Winter Soldier shouldn't have been more spy, more of a spy movie than this. Mm. But then that's where it's not enough like Winter Soldier. But then again, it's too much like Winter Soldier. Like, we'll talk about more later, but Justin kind of already alluded to. These villains in this movie are so fucking Winter Soldier, it's not even funny. It's almost sad how Winter Soldier, like, beats 
they go for with the villains in this movie. And it just makes me sad. But also one problem with this movie, or another problem I should say, is the fact that it is so out of place. I don't, I kind of disagree with Justin. I don't know if it would have been better if it came out a year and a half ago, like it was supposed to. My issue with this movie is it takes place at the, the kind of end of phase three, but it's a phase four movie. It, it just feels out of place. I feel if they were going to just wanting to do a Black Widow movie, I think they should have just said fuck it and gone and done the Budapest story or like a true origin story or just something like that with her. I don't know if they necessarily should have had a movie that takes place between Civil War and Infinity War because that's weird. I think Black Widow deserved better than that. I think it was kind of lazy on Marvel's part to do that. And especially now, so far removed from that time period. Because what? When did Civil War come out? Like 2016? And then like Endgame or not Endgame Infinity War came out in 2018? That just seems too close. Maybe it's 2019. I don't know. I don't care. I'm just, no, it was 2018. So it's just, it's, that's so long ago. And this movie takes place then. It's so fucking weird. I feel like if you're going to do it in a different time period than which it's technically happening, then go further back. Don't piggyback off the end of it, of the last shit you were doing. Everything else, everything else about Phase 4 is about moving on. You know, we're getting new shit like Shang-Chi. We're getting the WandaVision. We got Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We got Loki. You know, like I already said, Shang-Chi. We're getting the Eternals. We're getting all this new shit. You know, all this shit moving forward. And what, what is this? Like, it's just so weird to start phase four off by going, hey, guys, remember four years ago? Here's that. I just, I don't understand that yeah. decision. Like I said, I think Black Widow deserved better than that. I think this would have been fine if we released it five years ago. I think that this would have been fantastic five years ago. But now, what is it? It's a, oh, let's make up for the fact that we didn't give Scarlett Johansson a movie, is what it is. I mean, especially for someone like you who you've already expressed that you're kind of like over some of the Marvel stuff. (laughs) So it probably was a little bit harder for you to care going into this. Yes and no. Like... It's been enough time since anything Marvel has been in a theater. I think it kind of helped reset me a little bit. But then the problem was, is this movie went, hey, Sterling, remember when you started getting burned out on Marvel movies? (laughs) This movie's then. So I kind of feel it a little bit. Like if this had been like the Eternals and it was the same quality of movie, I probably would have been a little bit more amped for it because of enough time had passed. It would have been like new shit. But like, this is just going, like I said, hey, Sterling, this is five years ago. Have fun. I just, like I said, I think it was, it was them trying to rectify the obviously huge mistake they made. And I'm kind of feeling like it was a little bit too little too late. Especially with 
spoiler alert for Endgame, Black Widow's dead. Like, that's what makes it feel more out of place. The character's not even around still. So, there's just so much of this movie feels out of place because of that. But, I mean, it did have some nice action sequences. Like you guys said, the, the, the characters are good for the most part. Like, one of the things that Marvel typically succeeds at, the heroes were very good. Yeah. And then the other thing that Marvel succeeds at is fucking up villains left and right. They succeeded again at that, if you want to call it that. I mean, is the the villains in this, without giving anything away, like Taskmaster and the general person, are they not the modern-day equivalent of the Yellow Jacket villain from Ant-Man? Which is sad, hmm. because like hmm. Marvel had gotten better. Marvel had been getting better at villains. They really had. You know? Like, the last villain we got on screen was Mysterio. That was a good villain. They did good with Mysterio. I mean, for all the flaws and in-game and all this other stuff, I mean, Thanos is a good villain. Uh... I mean, Captain Marvel kind of had a, a crisis, a, a identity crisis when it came to villains. But it, it wasn't the worst. You know, Black Panther had a great villain. Like, Marvel had been doing better. They were trying. And then they did this, and I went, yeah, Marvel did up again. And typically, that's a good thing. Like, you used to be, that used to be a good thing when you're like, oh, you marveled it up. That, that was good. DC wishes they could marvel up most of their movies. But in this, when you're talking about a villain and you say Marvel marveled up the villain, that's not good. It's kind of the old hat type of stuff that I thought they'd grown out of. But the characters are charming enough. While the story is beat for beat too much like Winter Soldier at times, but then also, like I said, paradoxically, not enough like Winter Soldier at times. It kind of works. You know, within itself, like if you contain it within itself, it works. So it's not terrible. There are definitely worse things you could do at the movies right now than see Black Widow. I would even argue <laughs> that it's at least a decent time at the movies. As far as like things returning to normal and all this other stuff, when it comes to the movie going experience, this movie's kind of a, a diamond in the rough right now. You know? Quiet Place 2 kind of worked. What was a little too close to the pandemic. This one's at least far enough away that it it works a little better than Quiet Place 2, 2 does in that regard. And... It, it worked way better than Fast 9 did or F9, whatever the fuck that movie is called that, God, I was so disappointed with. Like, F9 should have been, like, what Black for me, F9 should have been for me what Black Widow would have been like for Jastin. Like, when Jastin's hearing that the Marvel theme and he's getting all amped, he's like, yeah, fuck the Marvel movie in the theaters. F9 should have been that for me. And it <laughs> wasn't. And so, like, that's part of, like, one reason why I might kind of like this movie more than I should is the fact that, like, it's a decent enough fucking theater-going experience. And maybe we've been so theater-deprived 
then I'm settling for a fucking decent theater-going experience. But shit, at this point, you got to take it. I mean, right. coming up, you've got, what, Space Jam coming up, which, if it's anything like the original Space Jam, that's not really good enough for a theater-going experience. The week after that, you've got Snake Eyes and Old. Neither one of those are good enough for a movie theater-going experience. Black Widow's all you got right now, people. Just take it. Just do it. Like, just take it. Oh, I forgot Spiral. Spiral's not good enough for a theater-going experience. We've been deprived as a motherfucker. (laughs) And I mean, Black Widow's what you got. And it at least does its job good enough to where I won't say that it being mediocre is why it's good enough. It is better than mediocre. I'll give it that. You know, it's not like we've been getting just so much garbage that you get something mediocre and it just shines that much more bright. It is at least decent enough on its own, but just tons of flaws. And it's a paradox. It really is like Nicolas Cage. Because Nicolas Cage at times is an amazing actor, and then sometimes he's Nicolas Cage. And you never know what you're going to get before you see the movie. You never know what Nicolas Cage you're getting until you see it. That's kind of this movie when it comes to Winter Soldier-ness. Because like I said, there are times you're just like, like I said, you're feeling it and you're like, man, it should be a little bit more Winter Soldier-y right now. Like a little bit more spy. It should feel like that 80s noir spy thriller. And you're like, you're, you're wanting it to be a little bit more of that. And then there are times you're like, Okay, calm the fuck down. We already saw Winter Soldier. We don't need to see it again. But we do. Winter Soldier is a great movie. But I'm just saying we don't need to see another version of it. Get away from it. It's so fucking weird. I don't know how it did that. I'm hoping Justin later can explain to me how it actually <laughs> achieved this. It wasn't Winter Soldier in the right ways, is what you're saying. At times it was, though. Like at times yeah. it was. Yeah, at times. Yeah. <laughs> but then at the same time it wasn't. I don't know what it's doing. It's so weird to me. Let's the move regular on. Regular old Nicolas Cage. Yeah, like Nicolas Cage. For every jujitsu, he does a Willy's Wonderland. Fucking great. <laughs> I know you guys didn't like it, but it's fucking delightful. And I really want to see his new movie Pig. I think it just sounds like another hit. I am I'm really curious what he does in it. Sounds like a goddamn masterpiece. Willie's Wonderland, I think he was great in that just because of what he did with it. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying now. I mean, from my understanding, this movie is like Nicolas Cage is John Wick, but instead of a dog, it's a pig. But the pig doesn't die, it just gets kidnapped. Sounds like a fucking masterpiece. That logic does make it more intriguing. And the movie's just called Pig. That's fucking great. Sign me up. <laughs> I want to see it. All right, let's go on. Let's move on so we can... We got a lot to cover, guys. Recommendations and score. Heather, go. Yeah, I recommend it. I mean, obviously... Anybody who's seen the Marvel ones or is a fan of those, it's not going to disappoint. I don't think it will disappoint, really. 
it's just disappointing how much later in the game it it came out, but um, it's, it's a solid movie. It is up to the par and up to the standard of, you know, being a Marvel movie. Um, it's good action. It's good acting. It's great characters and dynamics between them. Um, the storyline is just sort of okay, but the, the way it's played out and the, the acting and performances make it better. Um, and again, good send off for black widow. So maybe not the best, but it was good enough. Like it's, you know, you, you, you leave it having good, uh, good thoughts and memories of black widow from this movie. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely worth it. Even as a standalone movie, honestly, it it's, you know, it's a good action movie, you know, um, kind of like what Sterling was saying. It's what you've got right now, as far as things in theaters that would be worth watching. Um, so yeah, take advantage of that because especially with, all the things we've had come out lately as far as action movies go, this is probably up there. So yeah, I definitely do recommend it. My score is going to be, I'm going to give it a, I'll give it a 78. Um, jumping down and striking a pose to be a poser out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I recommend it too. Um, and I don't think that it's necessarily like you're settling if you go watch this. I do think that this is just simply, you know, pound for pound, one of the better movies that you can watch right now. It's got solid action. It's got good character development. And if you're a fan of the Marvel movies, then there's going to be some intriguing, there's some intriguing Marvel stuff that they do. It's still got that Marvel comedy. It's still got some imaginative things that they do with action sequences and stuff like that, that you have come to know from Marvel. So all of that stuff is, uh, is definitely there. And even though the movie does have some flaws, and I, and I don't even know if I can say it has a ton of flaws. I think the better way to put it is that the flaws it does have are just glaring, like they're big ones. And they're ones that you just wish that they could have avoided or you just saw the potential like, man, if they had just made a couple of different decisions here or if they had told this story a slightly different way this would have been 10 times better, but we're talking about those types of flaws. We're not talking about just like every five minutes, you're rolling your eyes, just wondering what the filmmakers were thinking. It is not that kind of movie. It's just that the flaws do stand out and you wonder why they're there when, especially when there are so many parts of the film that are great. I mean, this film has some great moments in it. And then when you add it all together. You're like, man, I wish I, I could give, I wish it was, I, I had more, more points to give this. And you're just kind of upset that you don't. And, uh, and I get what you guys are saying about, um, the Black Widow character and everything like that. And I guess when I said, you know, if it had came out when it was supposed to come out, I, I think that at the time, uh, right after Endgame, there was a big emotional investment in this character because she had sacrificed herself. You didn't really feel like she got that send off in Endgame. 
And so when the previews started coming out for this, there was a lot of hype for this movie. Like when the previews were coming out, and I think the public was amped to go see it because they were like, man, you know, yeah, you know, we're going to get this Black Widow send-off, and she was she did such a um, an important thing in Endgame. She was such a big part of that and her sacrifice and what she did. So now we're going to get to, you know, yay, we're ready to send her off. And then the movie got delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And then we got these Disney Plus um, shows and kind of what Sterling was alluding to you know, it was all about moving on and moving on with the next chapter and kind of trying to get us into this next phase and the multiverse and all of this other stuff that's going on with Marvel. So then when this finally did come out, having to then try to go back and grab those feelings that you may have had for this whenever it was first announced and, you you know, you were first really invested in wanting to see it you're just not going to be able to conjure that up you know you're not going to get everybody back on that train you know not everybody's going to be back on that hype train i can remember later previews coming out and me looking at comment sections and people just going man i'm over this movie now i don't even care that it's coming out now like it's so it's been so long since this was supposed to come out like I don't even care about this anymore. There were people with that attitude, like going into this, and that attitude was nowhere to be found right after when we were fresh off of Endgame and this was first released. So I think that it's important to add context to that. I do think if it would have come out when it was supposed to, much bigger impact. The, The public and the mindset was much different We hadn't gotten the Disney Plus shows yet. Different Marvel movie mindset fan at that time. And I think it would have probably went over a lot better. But being as it is, it's still a good Marvel movie, man. It's still good. There's still a lot of good things in it. And I do agree with Heather. I think overall, it it may not be the greatest send-off for the character, but it is a good send-off for the character. If this is the last we see of her... I'm glad she at least got her own movie. And maybe it was too little too late. Maybe it could have been a lot better. But hey, uh, a, a slightly not as good Winter Soldier Black Widow movie is still a good Black Widow movie. So with that being said, um, I'm going to go with the score of 80 uh, Florence Pugh's trying to do um, <laughs> Black Widow's pathetic pose. And then just shaking her head at how ridiculous it is out of a hundred. She was great in this. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I recommend it. Like I said, of all the offerings you have in theaters right now, this is the best option. I'm talking about your in general theaters because I know Pig is playing at some and that might be a better option. I just don't know. I haven't seen it yet. But like, as far as what most people have in theaters, this is the best option you have. It truly is. Uh, like I said, it's not bad. It's not bad. I think that they're just weird, self-imposed, self-imposed roadblocks in its way from keeping it from being really great. And it's just paradoxical that they did that to themselves. 
whilst being a paradox of a movie itself, with all that being said, I'll go quick. I'll give it a 70. I'll give it 70, the identity of Taskmaster you see nine miles away out of 100. Uh, spoilers? Yep. <laughs> spoilers. Now, based on what I just said, that was so dumb to do. Because to me, it was just insanely obvious that that daughter was going to be Taskmaster. Like, as soon as they were doing the whole, you know, oh, the daughter's collateral damage. They kept focusing on the daughter. And I know that there was also references to some of the stuff that's been said in other movies. Like her saying she's got a lot of red in a ledger, especially after Budapest and all this other stuff. It just, to me, it just kept screaming that the daughter was going to come back. A la Winter Soldier was Bucky. Now, I know comic book people know that Winter Soldier was Bucky, but still, like, fuck, it was obvious. And that was just a weird, big problem to me. Once again, kind of alluding to the fact of, yep, that was very Winter Soldier-esque. There's this assassin guy that they just unleash every once in a while to go do shit that has a connection to your main hero. Like, hmm, where have I seen that before? And then then you have the the other character that's not a fighter, but is just a behind-the-scenes person, which is, I don't know, Robert Redford's character from Winter Soldier. Like, why did they just rip off the villain thing from Winter Soldier? And then on yeah. top of that, not do it as well. You know? It just didn't really work. In a, in a very depressing type of way. You know? I mean, right down to the Black Widow's gonna use a hollow mask to get next to the non, like, non-fighting villain. The behind-the-scenes bad guy. They did the same thing with that. Like, fuck. Mind-boggling. But then, like I said, this movie refused to just let itself also be a spy thriller. It was way too action-heavy to let itself lean on that espionage aspect of it. Which I'm just sitting here thinking, like, fuck, that'd be so great, because I don't know. They're all fucking spies. It'd be great if they just went around doing a lot of spy shit. But, like, everything they did was so bombastic. Like, they couldn't even sneak in to fucking break out the Red Guardian. It had to be a huge action set piece. They couldn't, like, break into this place to get this. It had to be a huge action set piece. Every fucking time, it had to be a huge thing. Like, it had to be a spectacle. Why couldn't it be some spy shit? Like, that's what was bumming me out so much in this movie. They never went, let's do some spy shit. They always went, let's just blow shit up and announce we're coming and have everybody fucking in the world know we're here and we'll fight them all. Just made no damn sense to me. The closest they got to some spy shit is kind of at the end of the movie. When they're invading the helicarrier thing. That was the closest they got to some spy shit. And they were kind of doing some spy shit. And then the spy shit ended with, nope, we're blowing everything up. We're going to fight everybody. Like, that shit again. And just what... I wanted it to be a spy movie. Because they're fucking spies. Three out of the four characters that were the heroes are spies. 
and it just kind of bummed me out. It really did. But like we were saying, though, there was some aspects of charm with some of this stuff. I really liked. I really liked David Harbor as the Red Guardian. I liked a lot of the stuff they did with that. You know, he was funny as that. My cat yeah, is going ape shit crazy, like right behind my head. Anyway, uh, I even liked like. I want to say I really liked Rachel Wise in this role, but she was kind of gone for a lot of the movie too. We didn't really get a lot of her in it. That made me sad. I wanted more of her in this. Because I liked what they were doing with that character. It would have been really cool if we got to see more of what they were doing with the character. Yeah. Uh, Florence was great. She was really great yeah. as that character. I I really liked... I liked the dynamic that her and Scarlet had. Mm-hmm. They really kind of did have like a like a sisterly dynamic. Yeah. Like with the competitiveness between them. And all that stuff. I really liked that dynamic and thought they did very well at that. But then, like, like I said, this movie just feels out of place. Like, I don't, I don't need that now. It's like, I mean, maybe you're right, Justin. Maybe directly following Endgame or closer to Endgame, like actually coming out, maybe it would have felt more like of a better send off. Maybe you're right. But now, like I said, it, to me, it feels too little too late. It feels like it just a cover-up of a mistake they made. And they just wanted to throw that movie out there. And also, I kind of have a lot of problems with Taskmaster in general as the villain. The villain wasn't very Taskmaster-y. Taskmaster-y. Oh, that's so hard to say when you make up a word with an existing name thing. Because Taskmaster in the comics is very much he's he's essentially got the equivalent of a photographic memory but it's called like photo reflexes or something where he sees somebody move he can mimic it automatically that's why he's kind of got a varying degree of weapons because he's got a bow and arrow because he can shoot just like Hawkeye he's got a shield because he can throw it and fight just like Cap he's got all the things and they kind of show a little bit of that in this but like at times, it also felt like they were just like, oh, watch Taskmaster do Black Panther because you like Black Panther. Isn't this cool, guys? Did a Black Panther thing. It really distinctly utilized it in a way that felt like it was doing things like that. It didn't feel all the time like it was doing things like, uh, this is like, look, it's fighting like Captain America. It is fighting like Hawkeye. It is doing this and that. More often than not, it was like, it would just do it because it's like, oh, he threw a shield or she threw a shield, however the fuck you want to, whatever you want to say. Like the character threw a shield. See, that's Cap. Instead of just being like Cap. You know what I mean? I didn't understand that aspect of it. It it, it felt like a weird 1960s comic book with some of that stuff. Where it's like the X-Men and Cyclops is like, I'm going to use my optic blast attack. Or Iceman's like, I'm going to use my freeze attack. (laughs) It's okay. Like, that's how it felt with me with that stuff. Also, I didn't like how they kind of digitized that stuff too. Like, the character's sitting there watching these people fight, like the fight from Civil War and all. And then it just goes, oh, I'm going to upload the fighting shit into your shit 
like it's the Matrix. It's like, well, what is it? Like, does she watch and she can mimic, or is it this? You know? I just, I feel like they kind of wasted that villain. And of course, it's not completely wasted, because to their credit, they didn't kill the Taskmaster. Master. Why the fuck can't I say that? They didn't kill the Taskmaster at the end of this movie, so I'll give them credit for that. But I just still don't think that the character was as interesting as it could have been. So I don't really care that the character lived. It's just going to feel like it's going to pop up later so they can then just also use it to justify why it was in this movie. But I do think they did a good enough job with setting up Yelena as being the the new Black Widow in the universe. And hopefully, hopefully they do a better job of ultimately of, of ultimately utilizing her instead of having to play catch up later like they did with the Black Widow. I think that they kind of felt bad for how they brought in the Black Widow yeah, or how they treated her early in the shows and they'd rectified it slightly in Winter Soldier but then they kind of went back to doing the same shit over and over again and then they were like we're going to rectify it now after your character died by giving you a movie. Hopefully they don't do that shit to Florence. Hopefully they utilize her more and properly from this point on and don't have to play catch up later. That'd be really great, Marvel. Let's try that. Uh, Justin, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, some of that stuff I do agree with. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I definitely get what you're saying about the whole uh, Marvel decision to make this movie and the relationship with Black Widow and everything like that. And I think a big part of that, too, is that I don't think that initially they were sure that the character could have her own movie. And then Wonder Woman came out and did what it did. And then everybody was like, oh, you can do this. You know, I I think that that was another big factor, too. I don't know if they were 100 percent sure that they could do a solo movie with this character, or at least they didn't have faith in it. And either way, they should have. But but for whatever reason, I don't feel that they were confident until Wonder Woman came out. Then they were like, oh, crap. Well, you know, maybe we can do something like this. And either way, it was uh, too late. It, it would have been better if it this was just a part of the plan and not something that they came back with afterwards. So either way, uh, you know, regardless of when this would have come out, that was a mistake. You know, I wish that she had been in the plans from the beginning, but the truth is she was not. So I do at least want to acknowledge that part of it. You know what I'm saying? So even though I think an earlier release would have helped this, it still doesn't rectify the fact that they didn't initially have faith that the character could have a solo on her own until some other people did some raw shit. And then they were like, oh, well, I guess we can. I guess we got to rethink that. So that is something to talk about. And that is something that should be acknowledged with all of this. Uh, But but for the movie itself and just what they did, um, it's weird because I'm half and half on the Taskmaster because... I feel like the way that the Taskmaster was presented most of the time was effective until they got to the end. The opening scene with the Taskmaster, like that opening fight with the Taskmaster, 
I thought that was phenomenal. And honestly, I don't think it got any better than that first encounter. To me, that was the the best they did with the character. Like, it starts off, and I mean, it was so like winter soldiery, but in a good way. It was kind of like, it reminded me of like when Bucky first attacked Nick Fury in the vehicle. And, you know, all of a sudden this, you know, Nick Fury's blown off the road and then he's upside down and the Winter Soldier's just um, cocking his weapon or whatever and he's walking straight towards him. And it's like this very stalker horror movie Terminator-esque type of stuff. Man, when the Taskmaster, like when the Taskmaster first encountered her, that was scary, man. Like the ominous music. The car blew up and was almost off the bridge and she's gasping for air, barely survived. And she's looking around and he's coming and all that. And then the fight that they had whenever she hooked his ankle with that grappling hook and then he was going upside down and it looked like, you know, this was going to be another Black Widow. Because one thing that I like about Black Widow's fighting is that she's very resourceful. And at least they have that in this. Like, she is very, very resourceful. When you think you have her, you don't. And that's kind of the amazing thing about her, is her ability to narrowly escape uh, a really a situation that she shouldn't. But that's just what makes the character awesome. Well, I loved in that first encounter when she hooked him with that grappling hook, and he's upside down, so... It looks like she's going to string him up, but then he takes his blade, cuts it, cuts the grappling cook rope, flips and lands on his feet. And he's standing right in front of her. And she's like, oh, shit, that didn't work, man. That was that that was so tight, dude. Like I screamed at that part like that to me was that's the taskmaster. That's what makes him so dangerous. Like you you think you have him. But he's, but because he can mimic everybody's moves, because he knows so much about fighting and can mimic so many fighting styles and stuff like that, that's why it's he's so hard to deal with in the comics because he probably has a counter for you. And then, like, they did all that fighting, and whenever um, the Taskmaster struck the same pose that she had, and they were standing there kind of in a standoff, or a pose off, I guess you could say, and they were kind of looking at each other in the same pose. I I really thought all of that was awesome. Like to me, it never got as good as that first encounter. I could watch that first encounter over and over again. And, um, and they just never quite reached that again with with Taskmaster. And that's unfortunate because but 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 even still, even though I don't think they quite reached that height with the Taskmaster character, whenever the Taskmaster would show up, you know, shit got serious and it was volatile and it was stressful and they were trying to escape and the Taskmaster was coming for them and finding a way. And so they really kind of nailed that Winter Soldier feel with her, um, with the Taskmaster uh, all the way up until we got to the end. And yes, I saw that coming a mile away. You know, I think one of my friends even said out loud, it's the daughter. You know, we all knew that that it was going to wind up being the daughter. But I, I just wish, and I, and I was fine with that. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, 
Taskmaster was a woman. They gender swapped Taskmaster. Oh, I have such a problem with Taskmaster being a woman. You know, like, I, I mean, I'm not one of those people. I don't care that Taskmaster was a female in this or anything like that. But another good part of Taskmaster is that he's a verbal, he's very cerebral. Like, and he talks a lot to the other superheroes or at least the taskmaster i've seen and the taskmaster oh, no, you're i've right. read you're absolutely he's, right he talks mad shit you know what i mean like, like that's the thing about the taskmaster he's not only is it hard to fight him because he can mimic your moves but he is also a wordsmith and he is almost as hard to deal with because he's talking to you getting in your head and on top of that he can do everything that you can do so he's very intimidating in that way i just wish that that they didn't decide to just completely winter soldier this character where it was mindless and you don't get any talking from the character and, and even then at the end of winter soldier bucky was talking so even then they kind of brought and, and at the end of this to be fair you know, we did get some talking whenever um, Black Widow kind of snapped her out of the uh, the the mental spell that the that that the Black Widow soldiers and all of them were under. So there was some dialogue, but I wish, I mean, man, even if they had done like the mechanized vocalization, like if the voice was altered where you couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, it almost sounded kind of robotic and. They had the Taskmaster kind of talking shit and maybe alluding to, you know, um, you know, everything is your fault and I'm going to, you know, maybe the, the, the Taskmaster could have kept throwing these cryptic hints like I'm going to settle this with you. You know, I'm going to get revenge on you. You know, I don't know. I, I wish there was a way to have that character talking. I, I just really wish there was. I, I wish that we could have gotten the talkative side of the Taskmaster along with the mimicking side. I think the mimicking stuff, they did a good job at, you know, like, um, I, I, I mean, and I get maybe some of it was fan service, but to me, I was like, okay, that's what the Taskmaster does. He mimics other people. He mimics other fighting and stuff like that. So I didn't have a problem with that. I just wish that there was more of, the, the verbal taskmaster. And I guess that's a that's an example of it being too much like the Winter Soldier. Though those scenes were effective, because it was like, because the character was so much like the Winter Soldier and how they were chasing and pursuing uh, Black Widow, um, we didn't get that part. So whoever made the decision to just kind of make it a, a wordless, kind of mindless type of soldier puppet i just wish we had done something uh beyond that uh th this also plays into uh the villain character too because you spend so much time not knowing who this character is and trying to figure out who this character is and where they're located so unfortunately you don't get that villain's journey you know what i mean you don't get that time you're spending with over here with the villain and trying to understand the villain and what the villain is doing and why the villain is this way and then you have that eventual collision course between the hero and the villain you didn't really get that in this movie the villain the main villain is off screen or being talked about most of the time and they're talking about how horrible this person is 
But I'm not. But again, you know, show me, don't tell me. You're, you're talking about how horrible this person is, but you're not showing me how horrible this person is. You know, I'm seeing now. now there are some examples, like when the black, when the one, uh, the, like the one black widow, the, the black lady, whenever she was um, coming after Florence Pugh, and then all that happened, and then the whole like self-destruction and stuff like that. That was pretty brutal, man. Like, okay, I'm just going to have this Black Widow kill herself since she's compromised in the mission. That was pretty brutal. And that was like, damn, man, that was pretty harsh. So, you know, there were some effective villain scenes like that kind of getting you in the mindset that this villain just doesn't care. These are just his puppets types of things. But because we didn't get to really spend that time with the character to really get that dichotomy between the good character and the bad character. It it just wasn't as effective. And, you know, at least in winter soldier, we saw a lot of Robert Redford's character. He had a lot of conversations with people. We got to see some examples of him betraying. We got to see him portray this facade as this public figure who was trying to do the right thing. And then what he was actually doing, serving Hydra and all of that kind of stuff. We got to see all of that. So even though he was unveiled as like one of the big bads at the end and was the person kind of, con- you know, helping to control Winter Soldier and everything like that, it was more effective because we saw more of him. We saw more of what he, we, we saw both sides of that betrayal in Winter Soldier. We didn't really get that here. So to me, it just wasn't as effective. Um, but, but, but that's probably would do it for my gripes. Now, just to quickly talk about some of the things I did like um, as far as the characters. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Florence Pugh was just absolutely great in this. I think that she stole some of the scenes in this movie. Her, um, her being alongside ScarJo was good, man. They had good chemistry. And I'm kind of sad that this might be the only movie where those two get to be together doing stuff. You know, I feel like in another timeline, uh, there's a Black Widow 2 and it just stars both of them. And it's awesome. And it's amazing because those two together were good together. You know, I it sucks that that's this is might be the only time that they get to do this. So that's unfortunate, but yes, she is a good character. And when I, and when you find out kind of at the end that there's going to be that she might be involved with the Hawkeye series that's coming up and everything like that, that made me more excited for that. I was like, okay, cool. So I, I, I see where she's going to come into play now in that series. And I'm excited to see what they do with her because she is a good character. She had a great debut in this. And David Harbour is just such a, uh, he's just a charming personality, man. And he's very funny and he's got such a sense of comedic timing and everything like that. So he was great alongside them as well. I loved him too as the Red Guardian. He had a lot of funny scenes in the movie and there was just some really good, charming, like, heartwarming stuff too like when he starts singing uh florence Pugh's uh favorite song uh miss american pie whatever he starts singing that to her and everything and 
but they kind of had a moment there. That was a sweet moment, you know, that kind of came back from some earlier stuff they set up in the movie. So, you know, he had some solid moments in this too. And really, I think those are the best parts of this movie when it kind of takes breaks from the action and it's just developing those characters. That's where this movie really shines. It really shines with the dialogue between them. You get into understand this family dynamic or how they weren't a family, but still, you know, there were feelings there and there was investment there. So in a way, they kind of were their only family. All of that came across through all the characters and all of that really like shine through and really just keeps this movie from being average. You know, it keeps it from just being a lower tier Marvel movie and stuff like that. That really all elevates this movie and kind of keeps it in that mid to upper mid Marvel conversation. It's the, it was that stuff. Those scenes are just great scenes. And the last thing I'll say is just um, the opening was phenomenal. Like, I loved that entire opening with them sitting down as a family and all of a sudden everybody's got to leave and then the chase to get on the plane and everything like that. And like Heather was talking about that cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit, but then you're also seeing kind of them in the Black Widow program and you're seeing all these flashes and pictures of them being trained from being young to old and going on these missions and stuff like that. That was a phenomenal opening. That might be one of the better openings they've done for a Marvel movie. So, you know, in closing, that's what I mean about this. There are parts of this that are just absolutely great. And then you just wish they would have sealed the deal in the villain category and everything like that. So, yeah, I think that's about where I stand on it. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of. I think a lot of the things you said I agree with, but I would say one thing that really, one of the things that really made me like this movie is sort of what Jason said about the dynamics between the characters, because I think that, yeah, I do think that Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh had a phenomenal chemistry and dynamic. Um, they, they did, like Sterling said, feel like sisters, you know, like they just had a really good back and forth banter, joking with each other, annoying each other, you know, poking fun at each other. And it just, it felt natural and it felt real in a way. Um, I think that Florence Pugh is just naturally kind of funny in this. Like she, she just really (laughs) knows how to deliver the lines where it works. You know, it's not this overtly like she's over the top with, you know, how she's doing things kind of like David Harbour can be a little bit like everything he does is so extreme, but it's funny how he does it. She's more subtle with how she does things with her humor and everything. And it just completely worked with her character and in this movie and like the whole back and forth about that vest that she had with all the pockets. Like that was really funny to me for some reason. So I, I don't know. I just think that they really did a good job casting um, in this movie. And David Harbour agreed. I think he is always very funny. He does have some kind of like really good comedic timing. And there's some kind of, yeah, like charismatic thing about him on screen when he does his thing. 
Um, and he just really pulled off the Red Guardian so well. Um, I do, I do agree also that Rachel Weiss is underutilized here. I think she's great too. Um, and I honestly, and it probably is just me because it's usually with these types of things, I'm more surprised than you guys are. But, you know, I thought for a minute that she really was bad <laughs> until they showed their plan of what they did where they, you know, were tricking Dracov. Um, I really thought that uh, Melina had turned into a bad guy or that she was secretly a bad guy and was tricking him this whole time. So I think they pulled that off well. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think that, um, I mean, really, it's not a problem that the supporting roles were so great because they're very memorable. And it does seem at least, well, we know that Florence Pugh will be in further movies or Yelena will be in further movies. I don't know about anybody else, but any side movie that they would ever do about any of those characters, I would totally watch. Melina, um, Alexa, or Alexia, Alexi? Alexi was his name. Um, Or Yelena, any of them. I would totally watch a movie about them, like an origin of them or just a side random movie about them. I think that would be really good. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that, um, yeah, I think that the bad guy, Dracov, I think he was a little bit, um, maybe overrated or he just, he was not really, I mean, he, I think he, it sounds a little bit like he was trying to be the, the part of Taskmaster that you guys were talking about where he, you know, was like speaking and kind of cutting down and whatever it was he was doing. I feel like that's sort of what Dracov's character was kind of doing, at least with uh, Black Widow. You know, he would say these really smarmy, smirky, whatever type of things to her, trying to basically manipulate her or make her feel like she's not in control and kind of manipulate the conversation. So I I wonder if like that was their way instead of Taskmaster being that that's what this guy was. I don't know if that's how the character is otherwise, but you know, I just feel like he he wasn't like intimidating in and of himself, but I think that his word manipulation and the way that he spoke to people and how he carried himself is what made him a good villain. Um, you know, when he thought that he had Black Widow. And he was like, yeah, try to come at me with any of your weapons. You know, it's not going to work. So just that whole scene when she's in there and he's kind of revealing what he's up to and things like that. Like, I think that was a good scene because, you know, she she did a good job throwing him off. But I, I just feel like that was a good moment of realizing what makes him a good villain is really just like his mind manipulation of things. Um, and I do, again, agree with Justin about that scene with Black Widow and Taskmaster at the beginning. I think that was a really awesome fight scene between them. And I was like, is this like setting the bar for the rest of this movie? It, unfortunately, it didn't. Not that the other scenes of action were bad, but that one was just really good. Like yeah. That one is very standout in this film. Um, because 
again, always being the person coming into it, not really knowing who these characters are. I was like, who is this person? Why are they so quick and stealthy? And why do they know this person's moves? So I didn't know much about this character. So for me, I'm just like, oh man, what is about to happen here? Because this seems a little bit impossible, you know? So I, I enjoyed that element of surprise. And I do think that it's unfortunate that that was sort of the, like we said, the best part of what Taskmaster did in this movie. Like that was the best scene with Taskmaster. Um, you know, I think that, I think a little bit of the scenes with Taskmaster and, um, Alexi was kind of okay too, but man, just like that stealthiness and that like quickness and just no hesitation in any movements like that was, that was good. That was really good. That's what makes a good villain. So yeah, but I think, yeah, otherwise, I mean, the villains were not quite utilized to their full potential in my opinion, but again, I didn't really care as much about that just because I wanted to know what was going to happen with Black Widow and her family. Honestly, like that was the story that was driving me in this. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to catch the bad guy, even though of course you want them to the side stories about the characters. That's kind of in this movie, what I cared more about. So, um, but it paid off. I think that the way it ended was great. I think that, yeah, it is a very good introduction for Yelena into this universe and seeing what she's capable of and um, how she would be such a great asset to them. And almost like, honestly, she really, yeah, she's her style of fighting, her quickness. She's very much Black Widow style where she's also very resourceful and quick on her feet and thinks of a solution to get out of you know, whatever it is so fast and seeing more of that, but done in a little bit of a different style because it's a different person, I think will be really cool. Um, seeing her in like future Marvel stuff. So, but again, yeah, Florence Pugh is the standout for me in this whole movie. Like she just killed it. She was top notch. She's very versatile. And I know she's in Sterling's least favorite movie of all time. But I think that she is so just dynamic and versatile and super talented. And um, I mean, didn't she get like a Golden Globe or something or Oscar nomination for Little Women? Like she's just doing all types of different roles, right? I don't know if it was Oscar or Golden Globe, maybe both. But I'm just like, man, she's like really doing every type of movie and doing it well. Like she could do action, she could do drama, she can do comedy, you know, fighting with my family. Like she can do all of these things. Like she's great. And I'm really excited to see her in like probably anything else that she does. I think she's great. But yeah, I think she, I mean, I understand why they spent so much time and emphasis on building her up in this movie and introducing her. But it was just as much screen time as Black Widow. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe Black Widow was tiny bit gypped because of that. Maybe not. I mean, I I just kind of, I'm conflicted. I go back and forth because part of me is like, man, Scarlet should have gotten a little bit more screen time than everybody else. But then you're like, but no, this is like her last movie. So let us introduce these other people. 
So I'm conflicted. I mean, it worked for the most part. I just kind of, yeah, it's just weird because I feel like for as big of a deal as Black Widow is in this Marvel universe, it was just strange to me that she wasn't a little bit more of the focus of the film, if that makes sense. Maybe that was just me, but I just feel like she really, she was not the only one getting all of these big moments in the movie. So, um, yeah, but again, it's so entertaining and the action is really good. It's not like the quality of Marvel film went down because it was two years after it should have come out. It was still very good quality. It does bring you, it kind of sucks you right back into that universe when you see it. I totally agree with that. Um, yeah. So I, again, overall entertaining, solid movie. You know, if I want to find an action movie to watch, like I would not mind watching this one again. I think it's really clever and witty and everything Marvel is so good at doing. It does in this movie, maybe not to the best extent that we've seen Marvel do it, but it still does all of those things. So it makes it work for me. Maybe you're right on some of that, Heather, because it is kind of hard to separate some of the stuff from the comics in a way. Like it is hard to like separate the task master character that I know from the comics from this one. Yeah. I mean, it's very much like to me what they did to task master. Oh, oh God, that word fucks me up so hard. It's actually um, really hard to say. I was having trouble with it too. <laughs> but like that character, like they really kind of did to, that character, kind of what they did to Deadpool at the end of Wolverine Origins. They're like, oh, all these things that kind of make you iconic, we're not going to do them now. And it's just kind of weird. Mm. I, I totally agree with Justin, though, that like, I think you could have kept the gender ambiguous and just had the voice be digitized. It's coming through a fucking yeah. mask. Yeah. I think it would have been great. Because that's one of the things that makes that character so iconic is that he does like in a way like you were suggesting fight you on two different fronts because he not only can he do all your moves he can do everybody else's moves but then he's also mentally tearing you down while you fight yeah he's mentally on you the whole time talking talking shit just going at you because he's doing that to fuck up your concentration you know to make and him that, that much been, more effective. And it would have been such a great challenge for the Black Widow character because normally she's the one who likes to play the psychological advantage. You know, she loves to make you think that you got her. Then you reveal your plan. And then she's like, ha, now you just told me what you're doing. Now I'm going to stop you. You know, th that's, that's what true. makes the Black Widow character cool in this. That's kind of what made her stand out in, a, in the other movies. You know, like when Loki said all that to her and then she was like, well, I got well, we got you now, Loki. Now we know what you're doing and what your plan is. You know, that's what she's good at. And like even that scene uh, later where they, they do the mask and all of a sudden, um, you know, our villain realizes that it's it's actually her that's there and all of that stuff. That was very Black Widow-like, you know. I, I just wish it, it, it had been in maybe different circumstances, but I like how she can how she can psychologically manipulate people 
so I think it would have been so cool to have a character do that to her and have her have to try to have a mental battle of wits with this person as well as a physical battle and they just went for the physical in here but i really wish they had explored that other side because that would have been very cool against uh the black widow character in this you know but yeah well i i really like that you brought that up justin because that was a that was a very big callback they did in this movie whenever the general tells this whole plans and she goes thanks for your cooperation that's literally the exact same line she says to Loki after he says his plan. It's oh yeah, it's mm. word for word the same line. It, it plays out the exact same way, and I'm fine with it playing out the exact same way because it's a nice callback. And it's like you were saying, Justin, it's her mentally disarming you, and that would have been a nice foil to her if not only the the taskmaster can do all her moves, but he or, you know, it or she or whoever can get into her mind also. Like, she tries to play that game with him and he's just like, man, no, I don't play that game. I know that game already. That type of thing. It's, And I think it would have been really cool because I do agree with you guys. That first fight sequence with the Taskmaster is cool. It's a very good scene. It just never gets up to it ever again in this movie. No. If it would have been great if in that fight sequence the task taskmaster said nothing that whole time. And then when they fight again, it's just talking shit the whole time. And she yeah. you know, the Black Widow would be like, Well, I, I liked you better before when you didn't talk. And then the taskmaster's just like yeah, I just didn't talk because I was learning you. I already know everything about you now. And Black Widow's like, well, what about mm-hmm. this? And he just, like, you know, Taskmaster just stops it. He's like, yeah, no, I know that. And just gets in her head that fight. To where, then at that point, she actively tries to avoid the Taskmaster. because She's like, I don't know what to do against this. And then that's when you have all four of them fight. Because it's like, well, with the power of family and multiple people, you can stop this guy. God, it's so much easier yeah. to do. Yeah. And that's what it, that would have been cool too if it would have took all of them to beat him and then uh, uh, her, whatever. And then it would have been a good way to keep the Taskmaster character strong because it would have taken all of them, you know, the widow family, if you will, to beat him. But you still could have had that verbal wits. You still could have had some, you know, it, it, I, th- I just think that would have made for a much better experience with that character. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. So, yeah, it's a missed opportunity. Well, and it would have been so cool, too, if the character was talking shit the whole time. And then they do find out that she's brainwashed and then they cure her. And then she's still just very talkative. And they're like, oh, that's just, that was your ass, that aspect of you coming out in the, in the Taskmaster. Just a very talkative character. And they're like, <laughs> oh, you under brain control calms you down. And I mean, and I've got, I've got no problem with the gender swap for Taskmaster. The only reason why I keep saying he is because the, the character I've known for so long in the comics is a he. I just, I know yeah. the Taskmaster as a he. I've got no problem with the gender swap. That's just why I'm fucking it up. Because 
pretty much any ever conversation I've ever had about the Taskmaster before today involved it being a he. And I've got nothing against it, and it's on me. I need to get better at it. It's especially if they are going to have the character come back. And, you know, I don't want to technically misgender this character. It's that's what it is in the movies, and I'm perfectly fine with it. It's not intentional. My bad. It's just, yeah. He was he was a big villain at a part in Moon Knight's career, okay? He has a lot of problems with Moon Knight, the Taskmaster. Lots of problems with the Moony. Because <laughs> Moon Knight's got multiple personalities, so he can't <laughs> actually latch on to any one thing. That's why. He doesn't necessarily know who he's fighting at any given point. Because Moon Knight technically could like throw a punch as one personality and then a kick as another. And can like switch mm. in his own head like that. And the, the Taskmaster has problems with that. Because he doesn't know who he's fighting. It's great. Nice. It's another reason why Moon Knight's fucking fantastic. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. You'll hear all about it when we finally do a fucking Moon Knight episode. Do you guys realize that's coming? There will be a Moon Knight episode. A legit Moon Knight fucking episode of this podcast. You're so excited, aren't you? Strap the fuck up, motherfuckers. <laughs> and it's Oscar Isaac. Like, Oscar yeah. Isaac is Moon Knight. And then Josh Hartnett or Ethan Hawke, whoever the fuck the other guy is, is in it, too. <laughs> One of those two guys. And Heather it's laughs Ethan like Hawk. I'm making a joke. I don't know which one it is, Heather. <laughs> I'm not and joking. If it wins, and if it fools around and wins Best Picture... I would just uh, jump off of a building because then be it will make that, well, that choking statement <laughs> that you say every time we end the podcast true, and that that would just be worth me paw driving myself off a building. You do know a Moon Knight movie <laughs> is in the works too, Justin. Like Kevin Feige has already said <laughs> that Miss Marvel, She Hulk, and Moon Knight will also get movies. I know. I know. It's possible. Holy fucking shit. It's possible. <laughs> if it wins Best Picture, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it's going to be amazing if that happens. Well, I also do love the fact on Facebook when they announced the Moon Knight TV show, somebody actually commented to you, Justin, like, hey, Justin, look, your favorite, or something like that. I don't know if they... They realized at the time. I think they'd heard the ending of it and stuff like that. I don't know if they'd heard what started it, though. <laughs> yes, they just thought you love Moon Knight, probably. They, it, seemed, it didn't seem sarcastic. It seemed genuine. It yeah. seemed like they went, Justin, I genuinely think you like this character. <laughs> Look, it's it getting a TV Kurt, guys. Kurt, did you do that? I think that might have been Kurt. It might have been. I don't like. I just don't know if they heard the origin of the Moon Knight thing, and I think that that's what made it just that much a little bit better. Is, is it somebody? I think. <laughs> I think they even tagged like it was like they posted it on Cinema Slayers and were like, "Justin, look, one of your favorite <laughs> characters," and it just seemed so like wholesome. Like they thought that they were genuinely reaching out to you, Justin, and going, "Justin." I don't know if you had heard one of your favorite comic book characters is getting a TV show. Oh, man. I remember. This is all because of you. I don't think that these people realize that if I'm remembering correctly, you wouldn't even know who Moon Knight was if it wasn't for me. 
I don't know how much you no, read. No, I, I wouldn't. Like, because he was around in the '90s a lot. He did appear in a lot of Punisher and Spider-Man, and a lot of in some Avengers stuff here and there in the '90s. But people still just don't remember Moon Knight ever. He was around people. Like, I don't know if any of you realize remember this. There's like for a while, Marvel was doing these like Where's Waldo type books, and it would be like find the Spider-Man in this, and it'd just be a bunch of shit happening. But then it'd be like find the baseball, find this, find that. And it was like, there was a Spider-Man one. It was like big and it had a yellow cover and a Spider-Man on it. It was that very 90s looking Spider-Man. Moon Knight is all over that book. Just all over that book. Because he was, he was like a supporting character to Spider-Man every once in a while. Spider-Man affectionately calls him Mooney. Oh. <laughs> oh. But, yeah. I just wanted to, you know, like make sure there's no confusion. Moon Knight's my shit. <laughs> yep. Damn it. That is the truth. Enough Moon Knight talk. Let's go on to Loki. Shouldn't we go on to Loki? We've been going for a long time and we need to go on to Loki. Yeah. Yes. Loki time. All right. I need to record my little thing because my thing was going to be the one that leads us into like the next movie in a twofer. But I never did. So we just get a but hey, it works. All right, Loki time. As as I was just quick recap, Loki. Uh, we will go non spoilers recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler centric section. Time codes will also be for this. Time codes for everything in this. There's going to be so many time codes for this. I might even put a Moon Knight time code in it because I feel frisky. I won't. I'm just throwing that out <laughs> there. But anyway, Loki spoiler free. Didn't I start with Justin last time? Yes. Heather, go. Yeah. Spoiler free. Okay. Um, it is good. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's it's very strange for me because there is absolutely nothing wrong with the story they tell, um, how they do the show, the acting. All of it is there. Like it's really there. I just find myself very removed from the story more than the others that we've seen on the Marvel shows. And I think it's just because I was never fully invested in Loki or really even in the Thor world, honestly. So for me, it's good, but it's not, it's not something that I'm like, I am so captivated and interested by this storyline as a whole, which is weird because there's a lot of cool stuff they do and the cool stuff they do is super cool. Um, but for me, and I'm, this is probably, I might be the only person in the world who says this, but it's just fine. You know, it's, it's a little better than fine, but it's not like this is really good. It's just good in my opinion. Um, I do not, I think of the, the shows, the Marvel shows we've gotten so far, it's probably my least favorite, but that's not to say it's bad. It's just to say as far as preference of storylines and characters that I'm invested in, this is probably on the lower end. But all that being said, um, I think that Tom Hiddleston is fantastic. I think he's a great Loki. I think he's a great actor in general. I think he does every emotion that he's supposed to do so well in this. Um, I think that his dynamic with the, um, counterpart that i know we will talk about later is super well, you great can, you can say sylvie 
yeah, with Sylvie. So yeah, his dynamic and chemistry with Sylvie is great. Um, I like their characters and like the scenes that they have together. Um, a lot of just really um, great casting here. I mean, even Owen Wilson was so good in this movie. Like, who knew he actually fit so well into the Marvel universe? You know, like he was so good. Um, but yeah, I think overall it is good. It's a good show. If I'm going to rewatch a Marvel show, it's probably not going to be this one. Just personal preference of storylines I care about. But they, it's very well shot. It's uh, got some really cool things that they do. And it's very intricate storytelling and really solid performances all around. Um, so that's my non-spoilers. Justin, go. All right. Um, I thought that this was... Uh... Man, I I thought that this was pretty good. I mean, that's an interesting perspective, Heather. I didn't think about the perspective of someone who maybe just, uh, you know, was on the lower end of investment in this character and kind of this part of the MCU. So that's an interesting perspective. So I'll be interested to hear kind of what you think about different things uh, and aspects of it, because I do think that... Maybe if you're kind of unfamiliar with the the Loki aspect of Marvel and the Asgard stuff and all of the kind of multiverse kind of stuff, this is definitely, I guess, a little more out there. It's it's definitely uh, probably more of the quote unquote geeky part of Marvel when you get into multiple timelines and all this crazy stuff happening. There's a lot of crazy stuff that has happened in Marvel comics. And the fact that they are tackling this, man, I'm amazed that they even decided that they sat in a room and they all decided, you know what? We're going to tackle the multiverse. I'm still shocked that they decided to go with this. You know, Uh, I I thought that the scrolls was the obvious way to go. But I mean, now I don't know what, what we're doing now. But anyway, um. But but back to this series, uh, it's I, I liked this. I, I did really enjoy this um, for different reasons that I enjoyed the other ones. Um, as far as a ranking or where it stands and all that kind of stuff, I don't know. It might be too early for me to say which one I think is the best one. I mean, I still feel like it's WandaVision. I mean, that's what my gut is telling me that I think overall... It probably still is WandaVision overall, but this, I mean, but this versus Falcon and the Winter Soldier, man, dude, it may, it may just come down to just little things here and there. What did you like more? Did you like this more? Did you like that more? Uh, I do feel that the ending of this is probably the most, it might be one of the most effective endings that they've done. And I'll get into why to the television shows anyway. And I'll get into why I believe that uh, in the spoiler section. But but the ending was super effective in this. Uh, but, but no, I think that this was very good, though. I liked uh, Tom Hiddleston in this. I thought that I, too, thought that he was great um, in this. But there were others. Uh, Owen Wilson showed up, man, as Mobius. I really liked him in this. And I'm not somebody who is, you know, wowed 
by Owen Wilson. You know, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I, I that he's my there. guy. <laughs> you see what I did there? I understood that <laughs> reference. Um, you know, but, but I wouldn't say he's somebody who wows me. You know, I'm not a, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a fan of him, you know, and normally when I see that he's in something, I know what I'm going to get. But he surprised me here. He worked for this character, his dynamic, the kind of buddy cop relationship that he kind of has with Tom Hiddleston at the towards the earlier episodes of this, I thought was great. I thought that they were so good together. And I really liked that character. Um, I, I really liked him. Um Man, and there's another character I want to talk about too, but it's kind of spoilery, so I'll wait. But man, there's another uh, actor that shows up in one episode, and he just was phenomenal. Like, he just absolutely killed it. But I can't talk about him right now because it's spoilery. Is it the last episode? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I figured that who's who it was, yeah. Yeah, but... Oh my God, he was tight. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, man. Th- th- and there are some other char- And man, there's another character too, probably in the episode before that, that I could talk about, but it's kind of spoilery too. Dang, so I can't really say anything. But anyway, there are other people that are great in this. And I thought that had some really just shining moments in this that really just elevated uh, this material. And then uh, everything that you said about uh, Sylvie, she was great in this too. Um, Sophia DiMartino, she was great in this too um, uh, as Sylvie. I I really liked that character too. I liked her dynamic with Loki and everything like that. That was great storytelling too. And I really just loved where those characters arrived by the time you get to the end of this. It was fitting. It was uh, very well done. And this is very unique from the other ones. Like, I feel like WandaVision was kind of like, it had this kind of artistic flair. It was paying an homage to like the, you know, the older TV sitcoms and stuff like that. So it really was that kind of a series. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier was kind of like, it was like political action and drama. And there was like a lot of just, uh, intrigue with that and there was like politics and stuff like that and there was uh all these decisions having to be made and there was kind of like this friendship story and this really is kind of on a different spectrum it's almost like it's got elements of self-discovery and kind of learning to um understand yourself better but also then it's about the decisions you make there's maybe kind of some stuff about fate versus free will. I mean, the, the, there's there's a lot of things going on here to unpack. But the way that it tells its story, the way that it does the mystery is a little bit different from the way that WandaVision kind of went about its mystery when you watch that series. But it's kind of on a, I guess it's on a similar playing field that you're unraveling a mystery. But I really like how the pieces went with this. I like how they revealed things to you. I thought the story was intriguing throughout. And I feel like by the time it gets to the end, man, it is a big revelation that I think is really just going to change the landscape of what we've gotten so far in the MCU. I think of 
the two series, where this separates itself is of the two television series we got so far, the the reveal at the end is probably the biggest reveal, the, the biggest revelation we have gotten so far as to what they're doing with the next with this next phase of Marvel. So I will give it that. But overall, it was very enjoyable. Tom Hiddleston was very entertaining. It what it lacks in the action department because it definitely lacks there, you know. But maybe we got enough of that in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and this was a different flavor. It definitely lacks that. But what it doesn't have in action, I think it makes up with with dialogue, characters, intrigue, and just kind of the brain twister that is this mystery we're un- unraveling in uh, Loki's world. Oddly enough, I'm kind of with Heather on a lot of this. I do like the Thor movies and everything, but I'm not hugely invested in Loki. So I, I've always thought Tom Hiddleston did a fine job. I nothing against it. I'm just not one of those people that's like, oh my God, I need more Loki. If Loki died <laughs> at the end of Endgame like he did and never came back, I'd be fine with it. I thought that was a very nice ending. So I would have been fine with it, but I'm not against them doing this or anything like that. Um, I would have done the show differently though. It's six episodes. I would have done 10 and I would have done like after episode one, I would have done like three episodes in a row of just Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson going around time, straight (laughs) buddy cop, just solving shit. That would be awesome. And then gotten to that other shit. That would have been cool. See, I would have cared more about those episodes, probably. <laughs> I, I feel like they missed an opportunity. You got so many elements of buddy copness in this between them two, and they just didn't they didn't do enough because those teases were amazing. I wanted more of that. That's why I said if they had just done like episode one, buddy cop, buddy cop, buddy cop, rest of the story, I think it would have been amazing. But they didn't. So, uh, with this though, I can rank it. I think this, as far as my enjoyment goes, this is the third. I think Falcon and Winter Soldier, I connect with those characters so hard in Falcon and Winter Soldier. I love the Captain America movies. So, that it's just, it's so great for me. And then WandaVision, then this. Now, also commenting on something Justin said. As far as impact in the MCU goes, though, this is single-handedly the most impactful thing we've seen as far as Marvel TV shows go. And yeah, if they, I agree with that. If they are willing to be that impactful, like I mean, there's some impactfulness in WandaVision. There's some hints of it, but they never quite solidified the impactfulness. Yet, yet it might end up being more impactful later. We'll find out in like Doctor Strange and all this other stuff. It hints towards possibilities of impactfulness. I will argue that Falcon and the Winter Soldier isn't that impactful, but I kind of think that the Marvel Universe is the same beginning and end of that, but I enjoy it more. But this single-handedly straight up changes the game. Yeah. It goes, you thought we were playing Clue, Fuck this, we're playing Monopoly. And you didn't even know it. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. true. <laughs> Kudos for them to do that. Because holy fuck. 
It's a TV show. It's a six episode TV show. And they went, we're changing the game completely. And on top of that, kudos. I mean, I know everybody's like, oh, one more WandaVision, whatever, all this other stuff. We're never going to get a, we're never going to get a season to a WandaVision. We're never going to get a season to a Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's fine. We're going to see more of that story in the movies. But right now, it seems like they're going to keep Loki a little bit separate because they're doing a season two. They've already announced it. They went into this knowing this would be the first one from the Marvel, the, the MCU Disney Plus stuff. They knew this would be the first one to get a se- like to get a season two. So kudos to, on them for that too. Yeah. Uh, see, I knew Owen Wilson could do this because I've seen Owen Wilson in a lot of Wes Anderson films. A lot of them. I do love me some Wes Anderson films, especially back in the day. I loved Bottle Rocket. I absolutely loved, 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 loved. I, I don't really necessarily mean to say this in the past tense. Not like I stopped loving this movie, but I loved the Royal Tenenbaums. I loved that movie. That's uh, good. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I love Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. I love, I, I really, I don't love, but I really, really like Darjeeling Limited. So I've kind of seen Owen Wilson do some of these things. But it was nice to kind of see, it was nice to see him do it again. Although, how the fuck do you put Owen Wilson in this and not have, have him do a trademark, patented, signature Owen Wilson wow? Right. At least <laughs> once. At least once. Yeah, exactly. Just have Loki or somebody do something once and have him go, wow. <laughs> It'd have been great. But they didn't do and uh, Whatever. That's just a missed opportunity on their part. I'll say. Um, it's got, a, it's got a few nice little nods here and things like that. I think that this show is kind of very... This is going to sound weird. It's very slow to get into. I was yeah. not necessarily on board with this show after episode one. I was Agreed. not necessarily on board completely with this the show at the end of episode two. I got into the show on episode three. But it's a short series, so it's kind of okay. Because even if I hadn't gotten into it, I would have been like, oh, fuck it, in six episodes, I'd watch it anyway. But it, at least it latched on to me then. Um, it was just kind of slow. I... Like confession, I watched the first episode of Loki the week it came out. I did not watch Loki again until today. I crammed the last five episodes into today because we were doing this episode. That's how little the first episode grabbed me. And there's a very big reason for that. And I think I could say it now, but I'm I'm going to hedge my bets and just save it for spoilers. But I, I did like a lot of the characters. I liked what's her name from. Uh, Lovecraft Country. She played B fifteen. I thought she was really great in this too. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the Judge Renslayer. I liked that character. Yeah, I really liked the name. That's just a very cool name. Renslayer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, this is there's some ups and downs in this 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 show, but for the most part, I. At the end of it, I did ultimately end up enjoying my time with it. Not as much as some people, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate the show for that aspect of it completely or anything like that, because a lot of people, 
a lot of people. I would even argue a majority of MCU fans needed this show because they need more Loki in their life. And that's fine. I'm just not that person. I'm fine with getting Loki. I just don't need Loki. What's a good way to like, what's another, what's a good analogy to like explain this to me? I want to try to do this in food terms because that's where I tend to be my best. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, this is kind of a way to do it. Like, let's, let's look at a steak here, right? Everybody's got their preferred temperature when it comes to a steak. You know, I prefer a rare, medium rare, somewhere in there. My sweet spot. Uh, I know Justin had talked about how he's he's more of a medium guy now, right? You, you like it medium now, Justin? Yep. Which kudos to you, Justin. I remember those well done steak days. Uh, yeah, we so kudos to you, that. man. Yay! As somebody that used to cook steaks for a living, I will infinitely take a medium guy over a well done all the time. Even though that's not what I prefer, I don't prefer a medium. But hey. If a medium's as low as you'll go and you were a well-done guy, that's good. Because you're at least still going to get good quality with that. But good. Um, I don't know how you get your steaks cooked, typically, Heather. Um, medium. Mediums. So there you go. See, look, you guys are mediums and stuff. You guys don't like it as uncooked as I do, and that's fine. You know, that, like that's my preference. The medium rare. That's what I want. Right? But I don't need the medium rare. Ultimately, if like I'm at somebody's house and they're like, oh, I'm cooking steak. My uncle does this all the time. My uncle's like, how do you want it cooked? I'm like, rare, medium, rare, somewhere in there. He's like, oh, yeah, that's just like me, all this other stuff. I don't know how the fuck that steak always comes out fucking medium, well to well done. But it does every <laughs> fucking time. I'm not an asshole, so I eat it. You know, I don't need the medium rare to eat a steak. I just prefer the medium rare when I eat the steak. Kind of like the reverseness of this with me with Loki. I don't need Loki, but you know it's fine. Well, you, you know it's fine. Yep, I'm right there with you. But yeah, it is what it is. Uh, recommendations, scores. Sure. Yeah. Recommendations and score. All right, Justin, go. Yeah, boy, get on it. Um, I don't know. I, I I guess I just had the opposite experience of you guys. I was kind of that fan where I was watching this and every week I was watching it. I was intrigued. I was asking questions. I have friends who were watching it. So we were having weekly conversations about, oh, well, what do you think this means? What do you think that means? Did you see this? Did you see the picture of that? Did you see that's kind of what my life was for the past, what, six weeks or whatever it was. So, yeah, I was at a completely different spectrum from you guys. I'm more, I was more of the fans who were watching it and trying to figure it out and everything like that and was really intrigued from Jump Street on it. And even though Loki is not one of my favorite characters, I guess I, you could say I appreciate the character. Like, I, I guess I appreciate what Tom Hiddleston has done with the character. He's been in a lot of these movies, man. He's been in a lot of these MCU movies. And he was kind of that villain where 
initially he was their best villain and then for a while he kind of got sidelined and different things happened in the story and stuff like that and we've seen him kind of go from this ultimate evil person to just a guy trying to be a brother to just um him having a turn and you know this this character i mean when you really think about his arc in the mcu it is probably one of the best arcs that a character has had. Like, like when you look at his entire character journey across all the movies of the MCU, he, I don't know how he isn't one of the most intriguing characters in the MCU. Just given everything that this character has gone through and done and like where he's been and, you know, they, from the alien, from Asgard to the alien invasion to impersonating his father to now, you know, to, you know, to trying to defeat Thanos and now this. So, I mean, this character, it's just kind of one of those characters, you know, love him. I hate him, man. I mean, that, that, that guy, he is synonymous with the MCU, you know, and their rogues gallery. So to me, that alone makes him intriguing. So as I was watching this, you know, you, you just can't help but wonder where this is going to wind up. And I felt like it was a series where you're constantly asking questions you're constantly trying to figure out, okay, what is the point of this group? Who's who, you know, wh- what are they? Are they good guys? Are they bad guys? What is the point of this? Et cetera, et cetera. And as you're getting things revealed to you, it just, you know, I, I, I was asking a lot of questions, but I felt like they were the right questions. I felt like they were the kind of questions where they leave you hanging with something every episode and give you something to kind of hang your hat on. And then next week, we give you a little more, we give you a little more, we give you a little more. And ultimately, when it got to the end, I found it very satisfying. You know, I thought that the clues that they put down, the breadcrumbs that they put down, and by the time you get to the end and the revelation is made, I was like, okay, all right, Loki, I see you. You know, so I was excited to hear the announcement of uh, season two. So I think that, uh, you know, so I'm going to have to recommend it for that. I think that in its own way, it is, I feel it can be just as enjoyable as any of the other uh, Marvel series that we've got. And I think it's got enough good acting in it. I think that the characters are charismatic and charming enough to where you will follow this unique story, even though it is a bit off kilter. It is kind of all over the place with the timelines and the branching and stuff like that. Like it's super geeky when it comes to all of that stuff. But I think if you follow it, ultimately when you get to the end, you'll be rewarded. I I feel like uh, ultimately that last episode was pretty damn good. I mean, like I said, I think it's one of the better endings that they've done for these TV series. So yeah, I I recommend it. Um, As far as a score, we're gonna go with um this is hard. Um we're gonna go with eh, just under ninety. We're gonna go with eighty-nine um old Loki's shouting glorious purpose as they do something absolutely amazing out of a hundred. All right, Heather, what about you? And I definitely do not at all deny that. I mean, as as I watch the show more, 
I did get more invested in some of it. Like I am on Sterling's page where it went a little slow for me at first, but you know, that, that last episode is fantastic. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can even argue three, four, five, six, all those episodes are really good. Um, once you start to get into it, but yeah, I just think the pacing of it was a little bit slower for me personally. Um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Again, it's just, it just felt slower for me because of my level of interest in the storyline in general, but kudos to them because they did make me care a little bit more about the storyline with what they did with this. And they made me care a little bit more about Loki, um, and his story in general with what they did with this. So yeah, and definitely, I mean, I think this series for sure, um, explains a lot more stuff. It changes up the whole game as everybody was saying. So it is definitely an important one to watch. So I definitely recommend it, uh, for that reason, because it's, it it feels like it's only getting started on the craziness that it's going to unfold in next season. And, um, I, it's one of those where I almost feel like the second season might be better and more intriguing for me than the first season, because what they did in those last few episodes, you know, I'm just like, okay, this is going somewhere kind of cool. You know, um, it's very intricate. There's very, there's a, there's a lot of, um, a lot of things going on at a time, but it's, it's cool what they're trying to do with it all. And that I will give them, but yeah, so I definitely, I do recommend it again. Like it's, I'm in a weird place because there's absolutely nothing wrong with the show in the sense of how they did it, the story they told. It's honestly a matter of preference where this is the end of it where I don't know as much about this character. I'm not as invested in what's going on in this part of the Marvel universe. And so for me, I did enjoy it. I just think I would have enjoyed it more if I was more, you know, invested in the characters in this show if that makes sense so but yeah i do recommend it and it is good there i'm not at all saying it's a bad show it's a good show it's just not up there for me on favorites but um i will give this score of um i'm gonna give it a 70 being pruned just to end up into a different dimension out of 100. So this show is very, very weird for me. Sorry, my cat has claws stuck in my chair and I was trying to help him out. All right. Okay. This show is very interesting to me. Like I said, I didn't latch on very early. Took me a while to latch on. But I did, and I did enjoy the ride once I I got into it. The ending opens up a lot of possibilities. A lot of aspects of the show open up a lot of possibilities. My issue kind of might be the implications for the MCU as a whole because of this series. And this isn't necessarily going to be about the score or anything. Just this is a thought I had when this was over. I'm slightly worried that the MCU might end up becoming a little too comic booky in a bad way because of this show. 
comic books get very complex at times. So much so that they'll undo stuff later. They'll have like a whole storyline and it'll do something because they're trying to get a big wow factor or a big effect. And then they're like, three years later, they're like, oh shit, we shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. Like, it doesn't work. And then they'll undo that. And then like three years after that, they're like, oh, but what we did to undo that still, that doesn't work now. So we'll undo that. And they'll constantly do these, un, like, do stuff and undo it and all this stuff constantly. That a lot of times they have to just reboot everything again from the beginning. DC, DC has rebooted their universe like 97,000 times. I think they did it at least once during that sentence. <laughs> and the complexities of the things that they are adding from Loki to the MCU worries me that they might start doing that in the movies too. Because that was kind of like the sanctuary of the movies. But there was still some comic booky stuff. I mean, Captain America's shield still works when it shouldn't. You know, all this stuff. There's still some comic booky stuff out there. But it it hadn't got to the big convolutedness that can be comic books at times. And now it can. And that makes me uneasy a little bit. They could do a very good job of it. Who knows? They could. But it can also become a mess. And that worries me a little bit. And if it becomes a mess, you can look back at this TV show and probably see where it starts. So I guess kind of it is slightly a critique of the TV show. But I can't necessarily hold it against the TV show now because we don't know. It could work out fine. I can't critique this show for it coming out fine. But I just want to say it now just in case. I just want to air my my worries now. And I'll get more specific on some of that in a little bit. I just want it known. Strictly as far as the show goes, I would recommend it, but at the same token, if you're just a fan of the MCU or any of that stuff, and you really are dead set on watching these movies, if you're very much one of those people who may not like get on into all the lore, the, the Easter eggs or whatever with all this stuff, but you want to watch these movies, like it's still to use like appointment viewing to watch an MCU movie, you kind of need to watch Loki. You need to. You might not need to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I can kind of argue you don't need to. I think it's a good time, so do it. Um, you might not need to watch WandaVision. You might be able to piece context clues together through that. But I still think you should watch it. Uh, Loki, you kind of need to. With what it introduces at the end of this movie... Unless you are a diehard comic fan, it might be a little bit too much to context glue it together. It, it might not be. I don't want to speak for you or, you know, to call into question somebody's intelligence. I'm just saying, I feel like if I were watching this and didn't know what they were doing in this or through the comic books and all this other stuff, it might get a little messy, like not knowing what's happening. So, I would just suggest yeah. if you, you do want to watch Marvel movies and enjoy them and all this other stuff, yeah, you kind of need to watch Loki. You kind of do. But I also feel like those types of people would just be set on watching Loki anyway. So, 
but I'm just throwing that out there. Um, but it's I think it's good. It's got some laughs here and there. Uh, I think that I think the best comedic turn is the secret actor we haven't mentioned that Justin brought up earlier. I, I liked that surprise with it. I thought that was nice. But as a whole, though, for the show, uh, even though I had trouble getting into it, ultimately, I'll give it an 80. I'll give it 80 Kang statues at the end out of 100. Spoilers? Yep. Yeah. Spoilers. I like how my score is probably like a big spoiler, but also if out of context makes no damn sense. Uh, I really did like that. I liked that touch at the end to where like the statues of the timekeepers was before, but because the timeline got altered, it's now just a statue of Kang and he's the one in control of the TVA and they all know it. That's a nice little touch at the end. Plus it's Kang. Um, we might as well talk about it. Jonathan Majors. Let's just go ahead and talk about Jonathan Majors now. Let's get it out of the way. Jonathan Majors is a fucking good ass actor, man. I want to see him in more shit. Yeah, he absolutely killed it as um, he who remains. You know that that was that was just man. He was so great. That was just really that was just an amazing performance. Like he just absolutely just made that last episode so intriguing, you know, and and just the banter back and forth and everything that he was explaining and everything like that, all of that was good stuff. And, and I like the, the decision to not have Kang yet, but to have a variant. You You know, you meet the variant first, that isn't as bad, that was just trying to stop the bad from happening, and then him going, well, I mean, (laughs) after me, you are not going to want to see the other variant of me. You know? I like how he's talking about like an (laughs) infinite number of variants will show up and all this other stuff, but he knows the one that's really going to be it. Like, because he even says, like, some people call Mm -hmm. me a conqueror. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things, it's just, I, I like how He's like, oh, there's going to be infinite number of variants and all this other stuff. And he's like, but you're not going to like it. Because he's not like, you know, there could be a, there could be a nice variant of him running around. That might be, you know, just like this one now, but just nicer about everything. And like, oh, let's, mm-hmm. you know, all this other stuff. Like, But he knows that if it's not him, he knows the variant that would take over. And it's almost like that Thanos type of thing where Kang is inevitable. Like, he knows that yeah. he might beat King, but if you kill me, King will come. And he even alludes to the fact that, like, even the He Who Remains variant might come back and then be able to beat King again later or something. But he knows ultimately, either way, at some point in time, he's going to be getting some King. And yeah. And I think he's that, that a was a phenomenal like, actor, though. Yeah, yeah. He's fucking great, especially. I know we saw him do some joke stuff in Defy Bloods. And that was nice. But like he wasn't really that jokey as Atticus, right? In Lovecraft right. Cover. Man, this motherfucker came with them jokes. <laughs> and it was great. Just jokes. 
I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. But like, I, I liked how that was a nice little comic book nod with some of that stuff with the whole King stuff that I think you could pick up on some stuff with comic book with context clues also. Like the way he was alluding to some stuff, like I said, comic book fans just know straight up he is talking about King the Conqueror. We knew. Because we all know also Jonathan Majors was cast as King. So it's just when he's talking about that, I loved how he kept talking about it without saying it. I thought that was a nice little nod to the comic book fans, but that non-comic bookie and fans that might have no fucking clue who King is could listen to it and understand still what he was saying. That was very smart writing in that part. And yeah. I appreciated and it that. Fit the, and it fit the character of the variant because he is so focused on trying to prevent that version from coming. Trying to prevent like he was trying to prevent all out chaos and he knows like the gravity of the situation. So it was almost like he didn't want to just flat out say it because to say it is almost just, you know, it, it, it was almost like it was too horrible to say. It's too horrible to fully admit because he knows just the gravity of the situation. So it all just kind of worked even in the dynamic of the variant character, you know, uh, it, it, that that was just um, that was extremely effective, man. And if you didn't get it by that time, you definitely got it. Got it at the end. And I love the Planet of the Apes classic way that they did that. That's what that was. Oh, you I, know, I loved how immediate it was. I loved how all of a sudden, once you get branch timelines, when Loki's back at the time variance, it's as if King had always ruled the time variance, like or yeah. the time variant authority. Like it was just like, cause they were like, who are you? Because since King ruled and they were like, uh, there's all these branches. He's allowing this, you know, they were like questioning if the King was allowing that to happen. I loved how just instantaneous it was. I loved how, like I loved that dilemma that, the Lokis didn't understand at the time of it's either innocent variants die constantly and you get the single timeline and it's, it might seem cruel, but it's nice. It's fine for most everybody, but it might seem cruel or you get branch timelines and free will and all this other shit, but you get King the conqueror. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. a weird, no, like it's, it's either or. It's either you get one version of hell or the other. And I liked how because Sylvie Loki had no way to comprehend what he was saying. Loki understood what he was saying because Loki essentially he was talking about somebody that Loki wanted to be. Loki wanted to be the conqueror. So when this guy's describing Kang, Loki knows exactly what he's describing because Loki himself wanted to be that. And he knew that if that was the other side, that's a bad thing. But Sylvie <laughs> Loki didn't have that perspective. So all she wanted was vengeance. She couldn't see 
the worst side of it and then went for it. I thought that that was a very nice way to play it out. Yeah. And it also kind of speaks to just what a lot of the stuff that they set up at the beginning when they were talking about um, when, when Owen Wilson is talking to Loki and he's like, you know, the whole purpose of you is to bring about, you know, you're a person who brings out destruction, death, but the purpose of you really is that you are the catalyst that motivates other people to be better. You know, that was the purpose that you ultimately served in the timeline with the Avengers. You were kind of that catalyst. You were that person who kind of, you were that harbinger of bad things that kind of motivated them to come together as a team. And that was necessary to go up against Thanos. And it's really kind of ironic that it was Loki's in this situation that kind of bring forth Kang the Conqueror. You know, however it happened, it, it, it was Loki again, kind of, you know, whether it was a variant Loki or it wasn't our, the Loki we've been following, but in a way he was there. He was part of the journey. He was part of what led to this. You know, it was his actions some of his actions, and of course, ultimately Sylvie's too, but it was their interactions together and the road that they traveled together on this journey that ultimately led to that. And here we are again, and it's a Loki kind of bringing about Kang the Conqueror, much like how the other Loki kind of set in motion the stuff that happened that kind of led to Thanos. So, you know, it's it's like it's almost like it's happening again, but just in a different way, in a different timeline. But we're still kind of serving that character. And it kind of ties also into this whole thing about free will versus fate and what you're meant to do and what and what you can choose to do and stuff like that. So I just love the journey that this character is on. Like, it's such a complex journey, but I just think it's really cool. Because we're seeing it not only in him, but in his experience with other versions of himself, which is just so interesting. And it's unlike any other character journey we've been on so far. Now, with you bringing that up, Justin, I want to talk about one reason why I had such a hard time getting into this show, especially because of the first episode. This Loki is the Loki directly after the battle for New York. And essentially, he watches some videotapes of his mom dying and Thanos killing him. And he that changes him so deeply that he becomes the Loki that would have died, like that would have gotten killed by Thanos. I just feel... Like, that negated some of the other character arc that the Loki in the main continuity, the non-variant actual Loki from the MCU, had gone through in a cheap way. I did not like that. I think ultimately in the end, it kind of pays off having that version of Loki be the Loki in the show. But I just hated that they were able to negate everything that happened in Thor two and Thor three and 
Infinity War. Like, they just negated it by having him watch some videotapes of it. And I felt like that was a little cheap. I understand they wanted to quickly get him to that Loki because that's the Loki they needed. I just didn't like how they did it. Hmm. I get some of that. I get some of that. That That's definitely one way of looking at it. I guess the way that I saw it is that that entire experience humbled him. I think that at the beginning of it, he was very much the, the I'm the god of mischief Loki and I'm going to be the king and I'm going to be the conqueror and everything like that. But it seemed like as the episode went along and he found out just piece by piece how powerless he was to the TVA. You know, how he just couldn't even, like, there was no way to fight them. There was no way to resist them. All of his manipulations, none of them seemed to be working. Uh, the whole thing about how, like, even when he was going through that machine and that um, and that security guard was like, yep, there are people that pass through and don't even realize they're a robot. And, you know, he's walking through and he's like, damn, am I a robot? You know, oh, shoot, I'm not a robot, which is cool that they kind of pay back that later in the series but um you know the entire experience humbled him every time he thought that something was going to go the way he thought it was going to go it wouldn't or they would be one step ahead of him and then when he saw the infinity stones all these infinity stones from different timelines just just in a desk drawer like it was like that thing that he cared about for so long and this tesseract and all this stuff he was trying to get for so long and just seeing that really there is this whole big other thing going on that is just infinitely more important than anything you ever cared about i felt like it was the totality of that with the videos that changed him but i get it i mean either way it was quick because that basically happened in one episode maybe if you had more it could have taken a longer time or you could have had him try to do some other things and it not work out and you know you could have had some more humbling experiences but ultimately I just feel like we would have still had to have arrived where we arrived. So whether it was two more episodes or three more episodes or whatever, we were going to wind up here. So, I mean, did they do it quick? Maybe. But I felt like there was enough that happened that would have humbled him. And then seeing kind of what he became and seeing the interactions he had with his brother and seeing the stuff like that. It's not too far-fetched to believe that maybe that changes his mindset, especially after everything he saw with the TVA, you know? Yeah, but that was kind of the point of Loki, is that he should have been humbled any number of other times, and he never was. You know, like, that's kind of the trademark thing of Loki, is he doesn't get humbled like that. You know? Like, he might lose to Thor this time, but he'll figure out a way to win the next, you know? It's that classic villain thing of no matter how many times you lose, you always think the next time's when you get it. I think that that's where my idea of having just a few more buddy cop episodes would have just kind of solidified it because you could have spread it out and made it feel more organic instead of it just going 
this is what we need. So first episode, bam, that's what you get. Like we will make it happen in the first episode, no matter what. I think that that's just too extreme. I think if it had been spread out over a few more episodes, I would have been more intrigued to see that change in this Loki instead of, like I said, him just watching how the other Loki changed. Bam, that's how he changed. Like, I know what you mean. Like, there's some other things too, but I'm like, one of the main catalysts was watching all that other shit. So I'm like, that's just like a weird thing of like, well, you know, you're not the Loki we need you to be. So we're going to give you homework and you're going to watch videos on how to become the Loki we need you to become so we can get there now. Just seemed a little weird. And like I said, and I wasn't fully on to it in the second episode. And by the time I got to the third, like it had felt like enough progression had happened at that point where I was starting to latch on to it at that point. It just felt so jarringly rushed in the first episode that I was like, is that it kind of made me feel like that's what it made me worried that that's what I was going to get throughout the series. A bunch of rushed bullshit just to get me where they like to get the characters to where they wanted to get. I'm glad they didn't end up doing that with all the other characters. Like, I'm glad that they didn't really do that with Sylvie. Sylvie's emotional arc, you got to see it progress, you know? And that's good. My worry is just because they did that with him, that they were going to do that with everybody. It gave me just a bad setup. That made me uneasy to want to watch the rest. Yeah. Um, some more real quick things, and then I'll let one of you guys officially go. Uh, I liked the other variant Lokis. I thought that was fun to a degree. I don't necessarily understand the alligator Loki. Um, <laughs> I liked how there was that kind of existential crisis with Mobius and that Loki. When he's like, how do you even know it's a Loki? And they're like, well, it's wearing green. And he's like, well, yeah, but that's not really a defining characteristic. And he's like, but is it a long con? Wait, if it is a long con, that's probably the most Loki thing you could do. So maybe he is a Loki. I like that <laughs> weird existential crisis he had with that crocodile Loki. Um, I liked the old man Loki. I thought that that was a fun little version of that. I liked the little kid Loki. I like that little kid Loki was more or less kind of the king because he's the one that killed Thor. I also like that there is a defined point in the the MCU storyline that tells you where kid Loki comes from, where his variant nexus point was. It's the story from Thor Ragnarok when Thor is talking about how Loki turned himself into a snake and because Thor loves snakes, he went to go play with the snake and then he turned back into Loki and stabbed him. That's the nexus mm. point for that kid Loki. That version of Loki killed Thor as a kid when he stabbed him. Uh, mm. Good catch. Good catch. And that's a nice that's a nice little nod. Especially because it's a nod to the good Thor movie. Like, because the first Thor movie is just okay. And then the second Thor movie, which I kind of want to go back and watch Dark World now. Because I feel like after seeing more with the Infinity Stones and all this other shit, that Thor the Dark World actually might work better now than it did then. So I am curious about that. But like, 
And so, but there was just a nice little touch of that's where Kid Loki comes from and all this other stuff. I liked, like, it was, I kind of appreciated that they weirdly had like 18 Lokis at one point and they were all just fighting each other. And only yeah. like, two of them were Tom Hiddleston. Um, I liked that because, and I, I, I kind of liked the characteristic that they ended up giving Loki is that ultimately what does Loki do? He survives. Even the one that got killed by Thanos in a weird way survived because it's now survived through this, this variant. Weirdly enough. Like that's in a weird way that just shows that that's a characteristic of Loki that he survives. And I like that how the time the, the, the TVA has been like ending variants and doing all this shit for eons and eons and all this other shit. And somehow at the end of time, it's just a weird battleground for Lokis because they don't end up dying at the end of time. And that was kind of like a cool little theory or like something that they posited in this universe and all this other stuff. And I just thought that that was a nice little nod to it all. Uh, but yeah, I just like I said, I, I was very weirded out by the first episode, and that's why I really couldn't jump onto it. But I did end up jumping onto it. It's just you never want that to be what you have in a TV show. You kind of want to get dive into the first episode. That's the whole point of the first episodes is to really go make you go fuck. I need to watch this, you know, and all that shit. And this didn't do it for me. I mean. Ultimately, I ended up forcing myself to watch it now because we were doing this episode. And I'm glad I did because the other stuff I need to know, and it did get better and all this other stuff, but I would have much rather the first episode get me and make me want to watch it instead of ending up watching it because of this. Um, Heather, what about you? Yeah, and um, I actually, oh my gosh, I can't believe for a second I forgot about the low-key crocodile thing um yeah like i i do think that that was a fun aspect of it and those were the aspects of it that i enjoyed more like i think fun loki is just really enjoyable to watch not that intense you know villainous loki isn't (laughs) but i feel like you know of of the characters that we see and the progressions that they make throughout the Marvel universe and things like that. Like his story arc is insane. Like in, I mean, in a good way, but it's just like seeing what he was to what he is, you know, and obviously, you know, different reasons, there's different Loki's and whatever, but just the, the character that he has become as of this show is really cool like i just he's just such a different character than you ever would have expected if you go back to the first you know time that he's introduced and then to now and you're just like it's so different but and so i get why people are on board with loki and i get why people are like i want to know more of his story and i'm more on board with loki after seeing the show but you know i feel like um it's it's such a, a, a large um, character arc change. Like, it's just one of the biggest changes in a character throughout Marvel that I've seen. 
and and it's in a villain and that's kind of cool but it's also just like i don't know it's um they they spend a lot of time on him <laughs> and um you know and it just like at first i just did not get that because i was like he's a villain okay he's a whatever villain and then you you think about him more throughout the other movies and you're like okay i kind of get it more you know so i think this show uh, solidified for me like why people do like loki so much you know and why they do want more loki in their lives <laughs> but um yeah, I just, I think that um, it was a really good mix of the funny and the action and the little dramatic moments like Sylvie and Loki scenes I really enjoyed. I just think they had a really good chemistry together. Um, you know, some back and forth banter, all these things. And then obviously they start to develop feelings for each other and it works because of I don't know, just their their dynamic together is really great. Sylvie towards the end there was starting to kind of annoy me, more so just because she was just so stubborn about some things. Like even at the end with um He Who Remains or whatever it was, the one who remains, whatever his name was. Like she was just she was on her mission, she was determined and she wasn't going to change that for anything. And because of that this whole thing happened and so much craziness is going to take place because she just could not, not do what she wanted to do, you know? Um, and I get why, like, I'm not saying that her character is a terrible character, but I was kind of cooling it on like liking her as much after this last episode. Um, you know, I think, um, yes, I did like the old, old Loki was great. They really got some solid, solid actors in this show. Um, and then, yeah, Renslayer was really great. Actually, Renslayer and um, Mobius' chemistry and dynamic was pretty cool, too. Um, I actually did kind of enjoy that. And um, the scene, and yeah, what is the, the other lady from Lovecraft? B-15 or something like that? Yeah, Hunter um, B-15. Yeah. She was so great. Man, I kind of just wish that there was a little bit more of her in the show. But, um, but yeah, it was, again, like, I don't know. I just feel so conflicted because I'm like, there's nothing wrong with anything that they do with this story. I mean, other than I think you really nailed it, Sterling, when you said it's going to get too comic booky. Um, it's not like how I would describe it because I don't read comic books, but it gets so complex and so like intricate with things that it does. And, you know, I just, I feel like that might be part of why my interest level wasn't quite there. Uh, just kind of coming into it. And I think Jess has sort of said it a little bit earlier too, where it's like, you know, if you're, if you're not fully up on that part of the Marvel universe, or if that's not, you know, something that you're super into, then you're, you're going to have a harder time probably getting into this show. Not that you won't like it. Cause I liked it. It's just, it was harder for me to get into it. WandaVision. I was hooked from the beginning, you know, um, Falcon and winter soldier pretty much. Yeah. From the beginning I was hooked. This one just took a little bit more time 
Um, and I, I was pleasantly surprised with how much I did like it compared to what I expected. But, um, anyways, all of that to just say, um, I really, I, I do also agree about, uh, Jonathan Major's character. Like, just that whole scene kind of made the entire last episode for me. I think it was such a great scene. I, I think that just everybody really brought it during that. But I, I just feel like that helped kind of really set the tone for where the direction they are going to take with the show next season. And um, it really did end on that cliffhanger of like, oh man, like what is about to happen here? What is this new universe that Loki's in? What is it? What's going to happen? What took place? Like, it does bring up all these questions. And for me, they are questions that I was like, now I'm way more invested. Like, now I want to know, okay, how did this happen? What does this mean? But I just kind of wish that I would have gotten it a little bit earlier on in the series um, with wanting to be like, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? I didn't really get there until the final episode. And that's just kind of my only big, my biggest thing is, you know, I wanted to be asking those questions and be intrigued by that a little bit sooner than I was. But, um, man, this whole, like, this really is going to change everything in Marvel. And I am curious to see how other movies going forward or shows, like how it's going to play. Because you kind of feel like this is the new snap. You know what I mean? Like how they kind of incorporate that into the other movies and shows and how that was like this defining thing that happened in their world. And I feel like this is now going to be that, you know? Um, And I'm just, I am really curious to see what they're going to do with it. So yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I need to give this show another pass through. Like maybe I need to rewatch it again. And now that we've talked through some of it and a little bit more of it makes sense to me, like knowing a little bit more background and stuff, I wonder if I would be a little bit more into it from the beginning. So I might have to take another like pass through at it, but, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, just, just, yeah, those were just some specific things that were sticking out to me about this show. But, um, and even the episode before the last one, like when, they're using uh, when Loki and Sylvie are kind of using their powers and then they, you know, finally get to see who the the one who remains is like that whole thing was really great too. Um, so maybe the last two episodes is when I was starting to get really like, Oh, what's about to happen. Um, but yeah, so yeah, those are just some takeaways for me again. Like it's, it's just hard for me to say like, I don't like how they did this because it's not that I don't like it. Like it's not like I would say they should do this differently. You know, it's just more of like, yeah, it it worked and it's fine, but it's, you know, I'm not like, Oh my gosh, I need more of this show. I'm obsessed. So yeah, but that's just me. All right, Justin, what about you? Okay. Um, but yeah, but, but so for me, kind of like what I was, um, alluding to earlier, uh, I was into it, man. I thought that, 
uh, at the end of the first episode, I thought that it was setting up the right questions. Like, what exactly is this TVA? What is the point that, um, you know, what is the point of this? What are they trying to do? Are they the good guys? Are they the bad guys? You know, what is Loki's role in all of this? So even though Owen Wilson is saying things, you just don't know who you can trust yet. And of course, they don't know if they can trust Loki. So I just felt like um, when, it, when it starts off and just everything that you saw, you, they, they really put you in the mindset of, okay, what you, what you saw the characters dealing with and the, and the Infinity Stones and all of that kind of stuff is very minimal compared to what we are about to give you now. So I think they were already just kind of doing world building and trying to get you to understand the scale of the TVA and just how important they are. You know, you didn't know everything, but when you saw those stones in a death drawer, you probably understood that they are probably something infinitely more powerful than anything we've dealt with before. So as that was happening to the Loki character, it was happening to me. And I was like, man, dude, this is how powerful are these people? You know what? Who's running these people? And then all the stuff about the timekeepers and all this stuff. So there's kind of this quest to kind of find out who are the timekeepers and everything like that. So I just like what they did. I think that they were really laying the breadcrumbs uh, well and everything like that. And so as Loki is journeying through this, I I just liked how he was finding out more about himself and his role and everything like that. And just some of the realizations that this character had to make, like when Owen Wilson was talking to him and he was like, nope, uh, you were never meant to rule. You basically you're always meant to lose and stuff like that. And basically you are just a person that makes these other people better. To be told that, you know, to 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 have this concept of yourself and to be told that you were never meant to be number one. You were always just meant to get somebody else to another level. And that's basically what you are. You were never meant to be great. You're just somebody who helps propel somebody else to greatness and stuff like that. And it's just weird, you know, it's just one of those kind of arguments where you think about your life and sometimes it can feel like that sometimes. Sometimes you're like, man, am I the main character in the story or am I a side character in somebody else's story who's going to wind up doing something? Sometimes life feels Mm. like that, man. Yeah. So sometimes so i could totally get so i guess to me that's why it felt more like a humbling experience for that character all of those revelations and him finding out what his role is and so from the get-go of that episode yes that did have some that did change his perspective some but if you think about it what does the character spend the rest of the time doing throughout the series and see this is why it is a good series He's trying to constantly fight that, right? He's trying to have free will. He's trying to not fall into this fate that is the timeline, right? He's always trying to make different decisions and decide his destiny. That's what he was trying to do. So 
honestly, when you really look at it, that is consistent with kind of this character. Even though he's having all these revelations and stuff like that, he's not giving up on trying to make his own decisions and trying to influence this timeline in in whatever way that he can and stuff like that. But as he learns more and as he learns more of the truth about what's going on, um, that's where we kind of get, but, but that, but Loki has always kind of showed the capacity to change. And, you know, Thor even said that there is some good in him. He can be selfish and he's villainous and he does all those things, but there is some good in him. There is the capacity for that character to be better. We've always known that that's kind of what Loki has always been, but That's why I love the dichotomy with him and Sylvie, because Sylvie is the unwavering Loki. You know what I mean? She went through hell running from the TVA for all these years. The whole thing about how she was remaining undetected by the TVA because she was hiding in disasters so that they couldn't catch her. Because when she would hide in these disasters in these timelines, you know, everybody would die in those scenarios. So nothing is happening to alter a timeline. Therefore, they couldn't find her on a scanner or anything because they're not seeing her go off from the timeline. She just leaves right when there's a disaster. So this is a character like that's been on the run. She's trying to fight these people and she feels like they're killing innocent people, sending people to this void and stuff like that. And we find out from Jonathan Majors, they were, you know, that was happening. Now, he was doing it for a good reason, but Sylvie wasn't wrong. That was happening. They were killing people and just sort of kind of controlling people's lives and stuff like that. But her... So, I mean, just imagine that, though. You're on the run. You're running through all these timelines. You're trying to stay undetected. And the way that you stay undetected is you have to watch all these civilizations die at all these different points in the timeline. You're watching all this death and destruction and chaos. You practically, that is your life, going from disaster to disaster. One minute, you're you're at the you know big bang then another minute you're at mount vesuvius then another minute you're at you know that's crazy like just thinking about what that character must have been through the only thing that they needed to do was maybe show a little bit of that i mean we did get to see them experience a disaster together her and 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 our i'll say our loki but it wasn't like but but that wasn't the same as seeing her go through that time after time year after year um timeline after timeline which i just think would have been horrific so no wonder this character is so motivated to destroy the tva So I understood where she was coming from. And even though her and Loki started to develop those feelings and maybe you thought that maybe that relationship might change her, she was unwavering in what she wanted to do because of everything that she went through. So I liked it. And ultimately, it does sort of fulfill the destiny of this character. You know, that is kind of what the Loki character does, so to speak. And they sort of set that up. And 
you've got one Loki, our Loki, kind of trying to fight that, that fate, that destiny. And then he, but he falls for another Loki who ultimately and ironically winds up fulfilling that fate. So see, it's just such a, to me, that is so damn cool. Like, like I could just talk about that for hours, just the dichotomy of those two the fate of a Loki versus what Loki is and what this Loki is becoming like. There's so much there. So I definitely understand why they're doing a season two because there's still room for this character to grow. There's still room for this character to arrive to certain places and things like that. There's still like a lot for this character to do, I think, just given the journey that we got here. So I just love that. Loki Sylvie uh, dynamic. I was also too a big fan of seeing all the different variant Lokis. Um, I'm assuming that the Loki where the president, I'll call him President Loki because he had the Loki for president button. I mean, I'm assuming that that Loki must have won the New York invasion. I'm just assuming that maybe that's a variant that did take over the earth, I guess, or Maybe that Loki did defeat the Avengers. I'm just trying to, uh, just based on what, how he looked and he was dressed in the suit, but he still had the helmet and he had all these other like followers. So I'm just uh, making assumptions just based on what I was seeing. But I thought all those Lokis were cool. And um, the old Loki, Loki classic, which I thought was cool that he was in like the originally designed Loki costume. But Richard Grant, I really liked him, too, as classic Loki. And I thought that that was so cool, that moment that he had where he was so powerful at creating illusions that he created that entire Asgard to kind of distract that monster and everything so that Sylvie and Loki could get close enough to Enchanted and all that stuff. That was really cool, man. And then hearing his variant story about how he escaped being killed by Thanos. He made Thanos believe he made a clone of himself and or an illusion of himself. And Thanos thought he killed him, but he really didn't. Like, all of that was very interesting stuff. But having all these timelines and having all these variants and seeing all these different Lokis and how... Well, they were able to have all of these Lokis without it being too much or you feeling like it was too confusing. You know, they they had their moment and then we were done with them and we were on to something else. So I'm just trying to imagine what they could do later with all these other characters with Spider-Man variants. That might be some fun with with variants of some of the other characters, you know. I think that there's a lot of fun that they could have with the multiverse and these timelines and stuff like that. And so I'm kind of excited for what they could potentially uh, do with all of that. So I really enjoyed all of that, too. Um, And yeah, like like we've all said, I mean, Jonathan Majors just um, was great um, in that final seeing that final episode so i don't want to just continue to say the same thing but yeah he was phenomenal so i can't wait to see him as kang the conqueror man and the turn that he's gonna take and it's gonna be crazy to see how he was in this and then to see what how he is as kang 
and everything like that. I mean, that's going to be an interesting like transformation or metamorphosis to see just how um, Majors approaches the Kang character versus how he approached this Kang variant, the He Who Remains variant. So I'm excited for all of this, man. And I mean, if you would have told me years ago that they were going to have the Infinity Gauntlet and there was, and they were going to do a story arc with all the Infinity Stones and there's going to be like all these heroes and there's going to be this huge war between the heroes and villains and all this stuff. If you had told me years ago they were going to do that in the movies, I would have laughed at you. But I think now with the advent of these TV series and stuff like that, you have now opened up the possibilities to where you could totally do the multiverse because some of it will be obviously now that we're just from what I'm seeing, some of it is going to be through the TV series. And then some of it is going to be through the movies. So if you do it right, now it's going to be a delicate balance, but I think you can do it since you have the the room to develop things on TV. You have the room to kind of have your movies and stuff like that. Now you've got two avenues that you can go through instead of just one with the movies like we did with the whole Infinity War story arc. So they've got a little more room to work with. They've got a bigger palette to work with. So my hope is, is that this all does come together uh, quite well. But I do get what you guys are saying about the the whole fear of will it become too comic booky? Will they wind up making some decisions that they're going to have to go back and fix? Or will they wind up doing something that maybe is too much and stuff like that? Possibly. but. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be along for the ride. I feel like they know what they're doing, though, man. I mean, these television series have just been so good, and they've been so, like, diverse in storytelling, and they've all been so unique in their own way, but they've all captured the essence of these characters and what these characters are, and regardless of how complex it's been or how simple it's been, whether it's the complexities of a person dealing with grief, the complexities of a person dealing with duty and the the and the the lasting legacy of a person left behind, or whether it's a person kind of dealing with themselves and trying to figure out where they fit and trying to change what somebody says they're destined to do, trying to change your destiny and be something bigger than what you know, you've seen, regardless of what the story is, Marvel Studios, and this is why they're so good, they have a way of just simplifying these things to those main things. And regardless of what you see, all the special effects, all the colors, all the timelines, the statues, the knives and flaming swords, and whatever you see, What Marvel is good at doing is they always come back to these core human concepts that we can all understand. And I think as long as they do that and they continue to do that, they're going to be successful because the crux of all of the best movies that they've done, the crux of all of these television series is the human elements that they talk about and the characters deal with and stuff like that. And I think as long as you care about that and have that, regardless of 
all the other story elements, you're probably going to succeed more than you fail. So that's how I see it going in the future anyway. I get what you're saying, Justin, with the whole overall idea that Marvel knows what they're doing and all this other stuff. But there are times we thought they knew what they were doing in the comics, Justin. And then they fail. I mean, I loved I loved the Civil War when it came out in the comics, right? The 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 Civil War comic run. That was great. So it was crazy when like Spider-Man like reveals to the public who he is and all this other shit. And then gets in a fight with Iron Man and then goes and joins the Captain America side and all this shit. I thought that was really intriguing, really cool. But what ended up happening later? They realized that it was a bad idea to reveal Spider-Man at this point. It was really hampering their ability to make stories. So what'd they do? A few years later, they undid it because like Aunt May was dying and shit. So they did the brand new day storyline where they made a deal with Mephisto. He no longer was with Mary Jane because of it, but it saved Aunt May because it got rid of his uh, revealing who he is. And but then Mephisto's like, oh, you had a baby, but now it's gone too. And it's like, oh no. But anyway, and then they move on. And then they were like, well, fuck, now the, him and Mary Jane aren't together. That's a problem. So what did they do? Like a few years later, they were like, all right, well, we have to get them back together. But what about this deal with Mephisto? And then you go, well, their love is just too strong that it can outpower the devil or some shit. And then they undid that. That's what I'm saying is like comic books do that <laughs> shit all the time. I don't want the movies to end up doing that. And that's what worries me. Because it's a lot easier to real quickly fix that shit in a comic book. You can go, fuck, we need to do something. Uh, Destroy some universes, blah, blah, blah. All right, it's all fixed. We just start over. You can't really do that in these movies, man. What are they going to do? Like halfway through phase five, go, we have fucked this. It's a mess now. Just in the universe. And we'll start with a brand new Iron Man one in two years. You know? Like, I don't want them yeah. to do that necessarily. They're going to have to at some point. They will have to reboot this. You know, maybe they can do it for another 10 years, but they've got to reboot it at some point. But that's what I'm, that's what I mean by too comic booky. Like, you can start getting really convoluted stories the more dumb comic book shit you add. I mean, as much as the in comics, as much as the multiverse and all this other stuff is a cool idea and they do cool things with it, for every cool thing they do with it, they do at least four dumb things with it also. You know? And that's that's what I mean. I think I'm worried by adding this and all this other stuff, we might end up getting a little too convoluted. And that worries me. Because yeah. movie convolutedness is a lot different than comic book convolutedness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you have a great point. Um, but yeah, and all I was saying is that if the focus just remains characters and if it's if the anchor of it is the character journey, I, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I think what you're talking about is more like comic book like story elements like you're saying if you start intertwining all these timelines and then you've got all these other different characters you got to introduce and you've got 
all these other timelines and then you are, are you going to be able to develop this timeline as much as you do this timeline and when they all come together is everybody are we going to be invested in all the timelines this that and the other i think if yes if your focus starts to become the comic booky details and it becomes less about the growth of the characters you yes it will be too convoluted and you will fail but if the comic book details take a back seat to the character development, the character arcs, and us really kind of having a character journey that we can digest and relate to and process full circle, you will succeed because the the comic facts won't be as impactful as the journey that the character took, you know, and that ultimately will succeed if that remains the focus um, of what they do when they tell these stories more than the comic book elements I think is what I'm trying to say well I get that Justin but they've what tried to do the clone saga like three or four times now like because ever since they fucked it up the first times like other Spider-Man writers have gone you know what I can do it and then they fuck it up and then the ultimate universe was like, we well, can do it. And then they fucked it up. And then they were like, well, let's try the clone talk <laughs> again. And they fucked it up. All I'm saying is, Justin, at some point, they're going to try to do a clone saga movie because they're going to be like, you know why it didn't work in the comics? Because it can't work as a comic. It can work as a movie only. But they're going to try that uh, shit, Justin. Uh, I'm just saying the comic comic books are full of people thinking they know what they need to do to fix the problem. And I think the clone saga is the best example because it's never worked just ever. And that's what worries me is that like, I agree if they focus on the character stuff and all this stuff, honestly, I think they should go back to what they used to do and do genre films and just add superhero elements to them. I want them to go back to that. I think they were making better movies when they were doing that. It might not be better for a universe per se, but I think the individual movies play out better that way. And I kind of miss that. But with that, I just feel like Kevin Feige, he's not going to be around forever, man. He's gonna he, He's getting very popular. He's doing <laughs> some Star Wars shit. That motherfucker is going to end up being the CEO of Disney and he's not going to have time to micromanage the movies like he's doing now. And you're going to get some <laughs> Avirad motherfucker that's right. going to go I love New York in the middle of like, you know, like a Doctor Strange movie. They just have a bunch of New Yorkers jerk each other off because New York's the best and ruin some shit, Justin. You've seen it. <laughs> yeah, Justin, come on. <laughs> I'm just saying, and I think adding, especially with how crazy they did the timelines, it's not like they went, oh, we killed the he who remains. It did just show like a branch start and nobody stop it. And it's like, oh, what's it mean? They went, nah, motherfucker, here's a forest of branches. Ha ha. Like right away. Right. And I'm just like, oh no. Yeah, that was hella branches. I'm like, they are going to end up having 19 different Spider-Mans in some movie and it's going to be garbage. Because they've done shit like that 
And sometimes it works. Like some of the stuff they did, like in the comics when they pulled it, like this, it wasn't the Spider Verse thing there. It might have been Spider Verse. I don't know. But like they had Spider Man from all over the place. That's where you got a Spider Gwen and there's like a punk rock Spider Man and there's all these Spider Mans and it was kind of cool. But then at the same time, for every like cool Spider Man, there was like nine dumb Spider Mans. <laughs> and I just like, I'm worried about this. Like timelines. Like, that's how I mean I understand that that's one easy way to start replacing people like now you can pull Iron Man from another dimension and just have it be a different actor since they can look different sometimes I get that makes that easier but then at the same time it makes it a little cheap that's what was so special about Iron Man we got to see the story Mm. with it but at the same time I don't want to necessarily see alternate dimension Iron Man like origin story just to shove him in the MCU. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it might get tricky, Justin. They might have no choice but to get done with something. And then you're going to, you know, it's just going to be what it is. I hope not. I don't want to be mad watching these movies and TV shows. I want to be happy like I am now. I just, I, I just want to be happy, man. I don't want to be mad watching this stuff and confused. You, I want to be You don't always get what you want, Justin. I, I want to get what I want. I have to believe they have a plan. Now, and that's another thing, too. You just you know, get what you need. <laughs> no. And that's another thing, too. I don't feel like that they're just like, they're not pulling this out of their ass. There's a plan. There's a phase. There's all these movies and stuff like that. And there's a story that they are trying to get to it doesn't feel like uh like they're calling this on the fly so to speak or just going well this did good so i guess now we got to make another one there's a real plan to there's a method to the madness so i have to feel like it's gonna work out you know their last plan was a successful one you know they they had a story they had a place for everything needed to go. It needed to get to this infinity war. We need to get the stones, the gauntlet, and then we needed to have Thanos. And, and that worked. They, they successfully told that story. So I feel like th- there has to be a plan where all of this works. The Shang-Chi movie, the this and that and all this stuff. And I don't think that they've lost their artistic flair. I don't think it's just as simple as, well, I, I, I still feel like they have some of that because WandaVision showed that. Like, WandaVision has, what, 23, 24, 25 Emmy nominations? Like, they still have the ability to tell different stories in different ways and kind of tackle different genres and stuff like that and still make quality TV. You know, WandaVision was great, you know? And then Falcon was great, too. That was great, too, but but for different reasons. And I feel like this is very good, too, for different reasons. So if they can just keep this pattern up, I don't have a reason to doubt them. If this is what I keep getting, stuff like this, then I have no reason to doubt them. I'm just... Can't wait to the next thing, you know? Can't wait to see the Shang-Chi movie. Can't wait to see the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange. You know, I just, if this is the kind of stuff I'm going to keep getting, then man, let's go, man. 
let's freaking go. That's just kind of my mindset right now, you know, with them. You're just the exact opposite of me, Justin. You're all, let's go. And I'm like, let's slow down and think. <laughs> but I don't know. You've been like that, like, for a long time. I guess you, I, I think that's just you. You just are, you just, <laughs> that's just a personality trait. You just tend to lean towards that. You're a, a half empty guy. I'm a half full guy. So it's kind of par for the course, honestly. <laughs> I, oh, I thought you were saying like, you know, that I'm the kind of guy that's like, well, let's slow down and think. I'm like, I'm one of the most impulsive people ever. What are you talking about? Uh, but the pessimism thing, yeah, you're right. I'm just, I don't. It's been a little, I, I mean, even then, I'm, I got down on the Marvel movies when you didn't. So I was already kind of feeling it, but like, I still have that feeling though is, it's been good for so long. They're going to fuck it up at some point. And I just hope to dear God, it is not on moon night or before moon night that they fuck it up. Like <laughs> fuck it up after moon night. I already feel like they kind of fucked it up within game, but they, yeah, that's my issues with that and all this other stuff. I'm just like, just make it through moon night first. Just get to moon night. Win your best picture, get that Oscar curse and then fuck up your no. universe. That's fine. No, don't win. Don't win the Oscar. Would that would that make you like would it double hurt you if that was the pinnacle of the MCU? Like all this shit. They did all this stuff. They did all like in game all this shit. And then they make a Moon Knight movie. It wins Best Picture. And then from that point on, all the rest of the Marvel movies are garbage and they just have to scrap it all and start over. Yes, that would hurt me if Moon Knight was the pinnacle of the of the Marvel movies because that would be the equivalent of you in that video game pulling out those Moon Knight nunchucks and killing Fing Fang Foom by yourself. It would be the equivalent of that. And all is possible. And, would you believe in the Moon Knight? No. Justin, I showed you. You saw it with nunchucks. your own eyes. Don't <laughs> you dare. Don't you dare deny <laughs> the power of the Almighty Moon Knight. Nunchuck. Nunchuck. Okay, I digress. <laughs> Nobody knows what we're talking about. This is kind of an inside joke, so I'll stop. All, all, all I'll say <laughs> is if anybody's seen the movie Sidekicks and they will remember when Barry puts on that white suit and imagine Nunchucks a victory. Moon Knight did that in a video game, but actually won shit with it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I do know that scene. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, the guy just looked like looked just like Moon Knight without a cape, too. Funny how that yeah. works, Justin. That should have been all the evidence you needed to know when you give the, oh. the Moon Knight the chucks, shit gets real. Any other thoughts on Loki and or Black Widow guy? Nope. I'm good. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Summer Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook where Cinema Slayers Podcast, Twitter and Instagram where we're Cinema Underscores. Underscores? Cinema Underscore Slayers. Uh, I've got some stuff coming on TikTok. There is a official Cinema Slayers TikTok. That's technically just me, but I'm just going to... We've got some stuff coming. I finally got some some... Some gear in, I needed to do that. So I will be doing it. 
Don't worry, guys. You won't have to see my ass dancing or anything like that. It will be movie review-related stuff on TikTok. Uh, other than that, shout out to Plug Me, Go, and Mundo Ochoa for our theme songs. Give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate that. Tell your family, tell your friends. Uh, tell other people, tell strangers, tell coworkers, but most importantly, of anybody, tell those sweet, sweet mothers. Because <laughs> they want to hear me just say that alone. And uh, just remember, according to Justin, or let me start that part over. Remember, as always, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Moon Knight's not going to win the Oscar. What was the song Somebody I was going to sing? Oh, yeah. Hello. Nobody knows anything but you. Hello. Hello. fucking hate Nirvana. Hey, but that cover was tight, though. You got it, man. man all it was that. was a bunch of those nonsense, garbage-ass Kurt Cobain words. Sung slower. Nope. Doesn't work. Next, please. Uh.